river kingdoms, a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 60. So, when last we left our hero, you yes. had come to the Rushlight Tournament. Yes! Uh, you had competed in the Joust Qualifier, which you had won with ease. Yep. Uh, you had also easily beaten Castruccio Rivetti in the world's most underwhelming duel. Yes. And then worked very hard to beat Rest Sleep in, uh-huh. in an actual cool duel, uh-huh. so our spectators got some entertainment. Because Aravini's a fun spoiler. Uh, he is a fun spoiler. So, today's episode is brought to us by Kleenex Tissues, the choice <laughs> of sneezing players and GMs. Yeah. And today on Sneeze Maker... Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had literally just won the Joust. Yeah. So, um... And that was where we leave it be. You unhorse uh, the, the guy. I forget his name off the top of my head. So do I. But, you know, as I've defeated yeah. him, we'll call him Sir Not Appearing in this movie. Yep, yeah, you defeated Sir Not Appearing in this movie. Um, and so now I believe I've got a bit of time before the archery contest to politic or sneak around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and that is that. Yes, so you have done the Rushlight Joust qualifiers this morning. Uh, in the afternoon is archery. Yep. In the evening is the caster's ball. Yep. And the floor is yours again. Yep. So um, I want my first intelligence style priority is I would like to get a better understanding of what's going on in Camp, Dr- Camp Drelev. Yep. Because, um, you know, they seem to be melting down over there in Fort Drelev with the, um, you know, martial law, various councillors being murdered and such like. Um. So I would like to do some gathering of information about what's going on, without preferably, um, I'm not so much looking for scenes of me going and talking to a trail of counsellors as yep. just getting a gather information check on generically what's going on with the recent unrest and turmoil and such like. Yep. So less about what they're doing at the tournament. And more about what they're, um, what they're, what's going on behind the scenes. Yep. Okay. Well, in that case, you may roll me some sort of gather information check. And I'd like to use Michaela's 15 for it. You may indeed. Alright. And that is a 24. Okay. Shoo. 
Okay, so at present, um, Drelib is here with a reasonably large chunk of his council. Yeah. I think he's got about half. He's, he's got over half of them here, of the members that still exist. Yeah. Uh, including his new grand diplomat. Yeah. Gregory. Um, in terms of what's happening in Drelib land... So obviously that's not this week, that's more generally over the yeah, past yeah. couple of months. So, broadly speaking, um, Hannes Drelev has kind of a, um, a rule through fear system going on. His people are not per se afraid of him so much as the way he's set up his kingdom. Yeah. Um, essentially, he has the hook tongue slough, which is a large, swampy area of, um, a lot of it is pretty crap land. Yeah. And there was some debate as to why he wanted it in the first, first place. place. Yeah. Uh, that kind of got answered when he set up his big honking single city. Yeah. And just stayed in it, accruing vast wealth and power. Yeah. Um, so, the, um, his, his kingdom literally comprises of Fort Drelev, yeah, which is the one major city. Um, all around it, um, there is swamp. His people don't tend to spend a lot of time outside of the city because you have a lot of wild and dangerous monsters running around out there. Because he hasn't really explored and civilised it in any... Consi- any yeah, Dre- Drelev has never made any considerable efforts to bring the random hydras and chimeras and shit like that to heal. Yeah. And indeed, when you actually go poking around into it, it kind of serves his interest to have them out there because his citizens also have no desire to expand outside Fort Rayleigh because that's a great way to get eaten by a chimera. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, any organised resistance to him, like the Bogards and things, he's made a considerable effort to actually go in and wipe out. Yeah. Um. Uh, what you'll be able to uncover from this is that um, Fort Drelev has always had an external enemy to fight. Right, yeah. Um, first of all, it was the Bogards that were essentially like their centaurs. Yeah. Their primary problem of these are the, these are the indigenous creatures who are hostile to us. Yeah. Um, but... Um, Drelev actually turned around and exterminated them quite promptly once Pytax came along. Yeah. Um, almost as if he could have done so at any time by just throwing enough resource at it, but he deliberately liked to have the enemy out there. But then once he once he had Pytax available, he wanted Pytax instead, style of thing? Well, you know, it, it, it probably doesn't favour him to have combat on more than one front at any yeah. point. But effectively, it looks like he could have put enough resources in to eliminate the Bogard threat to his people earlier and deliberately elected not to because he would prefer to have them threatened. Yeah. Um, when Pytax came along, obviously they were threatened by Pytax. Um, well, but, uh, th- like, you, you, when you say when Pytax came along, you made it sound like Pytax suddenly appeared on their borders, but they... Um, it they was declared war on Pytax. It was yes. their decision. They, they knocked off the Bogards and then declared war on Pytax because Grolton was fighting them as well. Oh, right, of course. So that was the situation that arose that caused him to change his tactics. Yes. Grolton started fighting Pytax and he thought two-on-one pylon. Yeah. However, from um, from the average citizen in Fort Drelev's point of view, 
the story they understand is not, and then we totally sneak attacked Pytax in the back. So much as our king marshaled our armies to, you know, heroically fight the evil clockwork king after his brutal oppression. Or yeah, in, 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 to respond to the threat of his growing aggression on his yeah, yeah. borders, which would have soon turned to outright war. And you will hear about several basically openly fictitious incidents in which his clockwork golems, you know, massacred a farm set up by here, only you can't find anyone who's ever actually seen that happen, only yeah. people who've heard second-hand stories. Yeah. But obviously Draylon doesn't launch it to his populace as, sweet, let's start a war, you yeah. know, to get territory. Yeah. Uh, as to what is presently going on, he, he currently doesn't have an external enemy. What he has is the looming threat of Pytax, is what he's using. Yeah, because he's totally blaming Pytax for the fact that he's been, being forced to pay reparations. Um, and his country is to some degree falling apart from under him. Yeah, that'd certainly be my impression. So uh, what I was sort of looking for is why is he doing this, you know, kind of counterproductive stuff with all the martial law and so on. And the conception is because he feels like control is slipping from his hands and his response is to grip tighter? Yeah, it's it's not counterproductive from a certain point of view. Yeah. I mean he, he basically has a couple of options here. He can increase his iron he can increase his iron grip on the people and hope that's enough to oppress any uprisings. Or he can let the uprisings happen, which will almost certainly result in him getting executed yeah. by his own populace, which he doesn't want. Or he could suddenly turn around and implement peace and freedom in a democratic system and blah, blah, blah. But that also doesn't avail him any. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to... He doesn't want to consider another system of government than the one he's been running. But yeah, the one because been, the one he's been running is what's best personally for him. But it's... it's He's struggling to keep it un, under wraps. Uh, effectively, tyranny, tyranny as a system cannot last forever. Yeah. Um, no matter how well or how well you do it, it's only a question of how long you can stave off the inevitable uprising. And Draylon isn't doing a particularly great job at that. Yes, yeah, Your impression of him is that he's not exactly but, Captain Awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's while the Clockwork King, you know, presumably doesn't run a cuddly democracy over there and has managed to find for 40 years he is significantly better at it. Pytax doesn't run under martial law. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so the other thing I was trying to find out was what actually, like, what actually went down with that whole mess with his counsellors with him killing them and so on? Did did they rise up against him, or did he just decide they were going to? Uh, essentially, he's becoming increasingly paranoid. Right, yeah. The longer he goes, it's, it's one of those things of he needs competent, strong leaders at his back to keep his people in line, and a strong army and that sort of thing. But the problem with being a despot with a strong army is that if the strong army turns against you, then you're he, fucked. He, he wants but, them he, to be just competent enough to keep his people in line without being competent enough to look like better rulers than he might be, and yeah. that, that's a narrow line to thread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, got it. Um, and a lot of his current councils seem to be uh, very mercenary in nature. Ah, uh, yes, um, of course. Garnet Bonepicker, for example, is a guy who works... For pay, yeah, you know, you explicitly know Kundal got paid a lot to go and work there, and that is pretty much why he's there. Um, Gregory, you know, has also taken on dodgy jobs for, for money. money. Yeah, uh, Pavaretti, his queen, obviously is getting her own personal wand out of it, as opposed to a, a no, direct pile of cash. She is essentially a trophy wife, albeit a very noble blooded one. 
um, his Majesty. Well, is, not really a trophy wife because that's it. She's but she she's an alliance wife. His Majesty is his wizard Emekestrun. Yeah. Uh, who is Pavaretti's brother and yeah. Australia's brother-in-law, and is presumably also um, indirectly benefiting from the power as opposed yeah. to getting a large sack of cash. Um, uh, you can actually get his um, his list of counselors if you desire. Yes, Alcal. Yes. Uh, so he's the king. Yep. Pavoretti Strun Drelev is the queen. Yep. Uh, Lady Quintessa Moray is um, is oh, pretty obviously his spy I master. And you know, that's, that's not advertised as such. Yeah, yeah. But um, you don't know what she's getting out of it. Possibly sex with Hannah Drelev is really awesome, but possibly not. My guess is she's a slightly creepier Michaela, and she, what she's getting is the opportunity to manipulate things behind the scenes. Uh, his general is Garnet Bonepecker. Yeah. Um, his magister is Emeka Strun. The, his, the, brother-in-law. His, his brother-in-law. Yeah. Um, his high council, his counselor, um, is a guy called Baron Temoretti, who is not here at yeah. the, um, thing. Uh, and from all accounts, he's been one of those since the beginning of the kingdom guys. Right, yeah. He's not a recent newcomer. Uh, his high priestess is, is a relatively recent newcomer over the last year, replacing an old one. Um, a half-orc by the name of Lynette. Um, his royal enforcer is not openly known, and you do not find it out at that. Yeah. Um, his treasurer is literally some guy. Yeah. Who is of no interest whatsoever. Yeah. Um, his grand diplomat is Gregory, and his marshal and warden are non-existent positions. Right, he doesn't have anybody doing either of those. Because the marshal was one of the guys who got whacked. Yes, the, the marshal and the warden are the guys who uh, failed to get ransomed back and died. Ah, uh, yes, yes. In much the same way that the iron, uh, the iron race tragically encountered that wyvern problem. <laughs> All right. All answers. All answers. Okay, so that takes up the next couple of hours. At which point we head into the archery tournament. Yeah, and, and of those, you can pretty easily find out. Uh, Garnet Bonepecker is not here. Yeah. Um, if his royal enforcer is here, it's obviously in the shadows. Yeah. Um, it's also entirely possible that he doesn't have one, which Michaela thinks is pretty legit. If it would help him to assassinate people, but does he want an assassin yeah. you know, at his back? Yeah. Um, uh... So Garnak is not here, and Baron Timoretti is not, not here, here, and yeah. his treasurer is not here. Yep. Okay. Yep. Moving along? Moving along. What do you want to do? Do you want to go to the archery? Yes. So if um, if I've got time for some other intriguing, I'll do... I don't know how much time I've got. If I've got time for more intriguing, I'll do a bit more intriguing. Uh, basically, between each... Um, Event you've got a block of time. Yeah, so I figured I'd use that one on Drayle- on poking around asking questions about Drayleth. Makes sense. And then um, I'll use the next... I've got other things I want to try out, but... So the next one is the archery tournament. Okay, the archery tournament. Yes. So I will give you Tristan at this point. Yes, thank you. So you will receive a request for a meeting with Caitlin, the King of Stagthorn. Yep. Um... Uh, it, literally with no particular warning for this. It's not something you've got set up in advance. It's the guards come in and say, this guy is standing out here and would like to see you. Yep. Uh, he says his name is Bixen Libitson. So he's a gnome? He is indeed a gnome. Yep. Um, 
And he says that he is the master of the brewery in Varnhold. Oh, okay, yep. And he would like to speak to you regarding the drunken joust. Excellent. I will, um, I will invite him to come in and talk to me. And he comes in, he has a little face here, if you desire. Oh. He has a gnome with a sort of vague handlebar moustache, a little red cap on, and he bustles in, he says, Your Majesty, Your Majesty, Your Majesty, shakes your hand enthusiastically, bows and pops up and down a couple of times as if he has some vague idea how to talk to royalty, <laughs> but has too many ants in his pants to actually do it. Um, and he says, now, this morning, this morning, this morning, I was out, I was out, I was out, I was watching the jousts. Yes, the jousts, and most impressive they were. Obviously, you will see that I am Bixen Livingston, as I have explained, a most talented brewer with my recent blackberry mead. has been a fine success in Varnhold. No doubt it's made its way to your table. No doubt, no doubt at all. Now, I was watching the joust that you were putting on, and I was very impressed. I must say, I must say, I was very impressed by the way you unhorsed that night. Yes, indeed, you unhorsed him very quickly and very satisfyingly. And I was thinking, well, put backing, backing a champion in the joust seems like a good way to make a lot of money. Yes, there's a lot of money. I've already got some money riding on the line for you. Yes, gambling, obviously, a good way to make some money. But what's more important here is thinking about the brewery. Yes, the brewery. And indeed, there are benefits for Varnhold and for Stackpole. And obviously, I was thinking that if you yourself were to take part in the joust, as you're obviously going to, if you could do so drunk on my particular brand of Blackberry Mead, well, imagine what sort of advertising that would be, that I would be the one who was performing the alcohol that was ensuring that you were the winner of the joust. It would be the alcohol of champions. Imagine what good that would do for our kingdom. What do you think? <gasps> uh, I don't see why not. It, it's good stuff. I, um, I'm, uh, I might drink a few different things for the, during the day, but I'm happy for that to be the primary thing that I drink. So he would like you to uh, prominently advertise his particular brand of blackberry mead yeah. by um, uh, openly toasting that and talking about how good it is and then proceeding to win the joust well, yeah. tr- well trolled on it. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell him that I'm happy to drink it and um, talk about it in a natural way, but I'm not actually going to go down the um, uh, brood by the, on the slopes of the mountain or Hiragura around. <laughs> so he can take that. I'm off. King Kalen, and this is my favourite brewery in the River Kingdoms. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, among other things, people would probably find that slightly odd because it's not really Kalen's usual style. But so, um, I'm definitely prepared. If he's prepared to take it on that basis, then I'm interested. Yep. So that is the side quest that you receive. Okay. <laughs> Get trolleyed on this particular brand of mead and win at the Midnight Joust. It's no good to him if you... Um... Yeah, I will explain that, you know, while I think I'm in with good odds, there is no guarantee yeah, that yeah, I'll obviously. actually be the best Jousters in the kingdom. You know, he's he's not risking anything other than you're the champion he's backing. Yeah. If he thought someone else was going to win, he'd go and propose it to them. Yeah. Um... So that is one of your meetings here. Yep. Do I need? Do you want me to write that down? I'm happy to do it. Do uh, you can if you desire. It's it's a side quest. Yeah. So I usually write. Yeah, I usually write it down. I'll note it down just for uh, reference purposes.
And there is another one coming as yes, well. Yes, I heard it. Alright, here we go. Drink. Black Briar Mead. I do get the reference, incidentally. Uh, I didn't say Black Briar. Uh, it's I said Black, Blackberry. Blackberry. It's made of blackberries. Uh, Not fangberries, because that would be entirely different. Uh-huh, yes. Or, um, whatever those other berries were that you made booze out of on the, um, on the desert island. Yeah, those were some good stuff. Heartfire? Yeah, that, that was no, the Heartfire was, was the, the drug stem. Yeah. Drink blackberry mead. Breakfast of champions. So, um, is, uh, my gnome friend here offering something specific in exchange? Uh, no. He's cool. offering you nothing in exchange. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. as far as you understand what he's saying, um, this will benefit your kingdom as opposed to you. Sweet! <laughs> because that will increase his brewery business, which will indirectly make more money for your kingdom. I love kingdom rewards as quests, so, uh, uh, that's a much better price. No, but he's not. That. He's not promising that to you directly because no. it's not the kind of thing no, that no, I can no. anticipate. No, no, the, yeah, I understand. He's not promising. I might get build points, but he's not promising. He's, yeah, he's promising this will they, enhance the prestige. Because he's kingdom. not going to give them to me. He's yeah. going to his brewery going to make more money, and then he's going to pay more tax. Uh, and the second meeting you have, well, Michaela's out and about crawling around digging up information yeah. on Greylev. Yeah, yeah. Well, she may not um, actually want to take Kaelin with her for that. Um, a man would like to meet you by the name of Bertrand Olin, uh, who is apparently an archer from Brevoy. Okay. So, um, sorry, what was his name again? Bertrand. Bertrand, archer from Brevoy. Okay. Yeah. He looks like kind of a sad fuck. He does look pretty sad. He looks like depressed, drunken Robin Hood. Yeah, he does look exactly like depressed, drunken Robin Hood. Um, and he comes in and he, he actually smells slightly of booze. Yeah. Um, and apparently he's just kind of staggered up to your tent and said, I demand to see the king. And the guards have said, you piss off. And he said, but he's about to be cheated out of a great deal of prestige in this tournament. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, he might actually want to see you. Yeah. And... Bertrand staggers and he says, Your Majesty, my name is Bertrand Olin, and I have competed on behalf of Brevoy for the past three Rushlight tournaments in the Archery tournament, and I would be competing again this year, but politics waves his hands in the uh, air. I, I get you. I understand your brothers are quite the archer. But he's about to get politicked up the politic, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, I heard that sort of thing happens at the Rushlight tournament. What can you tell me? I've been beaten three tournaments in a row, and I'm the finest archer in Brevoy. No idea how I true this is or not. I don't really need to make the sense motive. I just need to hear what he's telling me. So I'm, I'm not competing this year. But someone's gonna cheat. I know, they couldn't beat me without cheating. And I'm told that you have the sharpest-eyed people in the kingdom here, Your Majesty, and that your clockwork golems can see exactly what's going on at all times. So I'm thinking that you get your, your, your girl with the, the, you know, hmm, uh, 
you know, the one you're knocking boots with on the side, Quintessa Murray, right? You get her and she keep an eye out. When she spots that cheetah, then I'll give you some magic arrows. What do you say to that? Yeah, yeah. I'll, if I can, I'll keep, certainly keep an eye out for any, we'll certainly keep an eye out for anyone cheating in the tournament and in the archery tournament. And if we catch them, I'd be very happy. So assuming that he remembers this later, yeah, uh, his evidence is pretty much that he's lost and no one could possibly beat him without cheating. Yeah, um, he's not even sure who is cheating, but he will give you some fine magical arrows if you can expose a cheater. Okay. He also appears to be just slightly confused about who he's actually speaking to. Yeah, yeah, I noticed a few subtle signs. I'm not even entirely convinced he hasn't had this conversation with any of the other kicks. Nonetheless, um, in terms of spotting cheaters, yeah. um, I'm thinking I can get... Who, who's got the skills to spot... Who's my best bet in terms of watching out for such things? So here you get the character select screen again. Ah, uh, yep. Um... Of which um, Kaelin actually will now appear on this. Yes. Um, fundamentally, I imagine largely everyone that's here will be there watching this tournament. Yeah. Uh, Corwin is not here. grayed out because he is not here, so yeah. you cannot select him for this sort of thing. Uh, Tristan will be shooting, and yeah. thus is also not selectable. Which is a shame, because he's got great search. But mind you, he's, I don't think his perception is particularly uh, awesome. That leaves you Bryn, Michaela, and Kaelin yeah. as your secondary choices for this. Yep, so... Of which Bryn obviously can spot things. Yep. Um, but, and Michaela has the sense motive, so... And I kind you of... You don't mean... know how people are cheating, if they are, so Right, so it's, it's the, a bit of a... Ge- that would be the guess for the two skills. Yeah, so... Uh, as would something like um, I've, I've craft got... archery, knowledge bows, etc., etc. Yeah, I've got a pretty good understanding of... Uh, Neither my perception nor my sense motive are particularly startling, and my sense motive is slightly better than Yeah, Brent's. so Kaylin will doubtlessly be there watching, because what else have you got to do that's more yeah, important yeah. than watching your brother shoot? Yeah. But, um... I, so, um, what's... In fact, can I take a yep. look at the characters at yep. this point, given that I'm no longer not allowed to look at Michaela's? Okay, so Michaela's got fantastic sense motive, and Brin's is actually adequate, it's certainly better than mine. Yeah. Um, and Michaela has moderate spot, and Brin has really good spot. Yeah, Michaela's... Yeah, I'm going to pick Bryn at this time. Yep. I think the um, I think the, the her ridiculous spot is going to be my ally. In this so Kaylin goes and tips Bryn and says, this guy yeah. says that they're cheating. Keep an eye out. I think um, Caitlin will tip... Kaylin, Bryn, and Michaela will all be watching, but we'll say that um, Bryn is particularly concentrating on that, whereas other people are concentrating on other things. Yep. Or Bryn is the one that actually has it, actually sees whatever yeah, it is Bryn that is has the a one, chance. Bryn is the one that happens to be in the right position to see it. That's the one. Okay. Now, we're going to be shooting with longbows, right? Not Tristan's magic shortbow. Uh, so... Sorry, I'll, I'm jumping ahead. I'll let you actually nail it up. Just grab me a piece of scrap paper. I noted down drunk voice magic arrow quest or the it would be I presumably you wouldn't screw me like this, but it would be kind of hilarious if it turned out he thought he talked to the King of Fightax and said it comes the whole thing to Good work, Your Majesty. I accept these magical arrows. <laughs> well it would certainly be entertaining if Drelith spotted the cheater and it was like, okay, I want the magic arrows now. Um Alright, so 
this is the archery tournament. Yes. Uh, because it is a test of skill and not magic, yep. um, Tristan cannot use his own bow. Yep. Uh, he must use a masterwork bow, yep. uh, which can be a long bow or a short bow. Okay. The vast majority of people will pick the long bow because it is simply better. Yeah. Um, however, Tristan is not actually proficient with long bows. Ah, uh, okay, good point. <laughs> because he is a straight class bard. Yes, so he is. So a short bow it is. Yeah, you are still welcome to change your mind about who's doing it after you hear all these. Yeah, okay, yeah, tell me the rest and I will consider my options. Um, you are given six arrows to fire at three different targets. A short range one, a longer range one, and a ridiculously long range one. Yeah. Um, which are worth progressively more and more points. Yeah. Uh, to score points, you must not only hit the target, you must stick into it as well. Uh, they will composite your longbow to whatever strength you desire. Yeah. And same for your shortbow, same thing. Um, uh, if you crit it, it's a bullseye. Uh, you must fire all six arrows in six rounds or get disqualified automatically. Yeah. If you're fucking rounds to the extent that you don't manage to fire all the arrows because you're busily casting buff spells or whatever, yeah. you get DQ'd. Uh, if you fire all six arrows in fewer than six rounds, then you earn bonus points for every round that you didn't need. Right. So things like rapid shot and that um, are, beneficial. are actually beneficial because you get points for getting rid of all your arrows quickly. Ah, which um, Tristram does actually have. So... I can actually have a put Godly at Tristan if you like. Yeah, um, looking at it, I believe he's slightly better than Kaelin as an archer because Kaelin has nine, um, Tristram has ten five to hit with no masterwork yeah. bonus and Kaelin has nine four. Trist, like, Kaelin's base attack is better but he doesn't have the dexterity. Um, unfortunately, he has a nice distance short bow rather than having far shot, which yeah. he won't be allowed to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, for kind of obvious reasons, really, because yeah. otherwise everyone lines up with the biggest plus five bows. Yeah, 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 I mean, it, it becomes a, it's like the, it's like it's the, American, it's the America's Cup, rather than Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it becomes about what you, what money you've got rather than how good an arch you are. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a judgement call because Kaelin will definitely be better at shooting further and can heavier composite his bow. Tristram is still a slightly, slightly better archer. Uh, so you need to hit the target, yeah, and you need to deal enough damage to penetrate its hardness, yeah, and um, actually stick the arrow in, yeah. Um, and I'm just looking at the range on because you get told all this in such a yeah, fashion yeah. that you understand. Uh, composite shortbow is a seventy foot range, yeah. Um, Which means that the first target is not only in range, it's in point-blank range. Which was actually relevant, because he's got point-blank shot. Uh, the second target, I might need a little calculator for this. Well, there is, a, in fact, a little calculator sitting right here that you can have. I can't remember what the range penalties are like and how they work. Uh, right, so it can shoot to a maximum of 700 feet. Uh, so the second one, you may want to write this down. Yeah. So the first one will be at an active bonus to hit instead of a penalty, because it's within point blank range. Yeah. Uh, the second one is at a minus six penalty to hit with the short bow. With the short bow, right, for, yeah. For range. Yeah. Um, and the next one is at a minus 
14 penalty. Oh, okay. So what's what about with the longbow? Uh, that said, their ACs are relatively poor because they are static targets. Yeah, I guess. So, yes. So, the difficulty is in hitting them quickly rather yeah. than anything else. Uh, you have the option, because they are objects, uh, that you may line up a shot for a round and gain a plus two to hit. Yeah. But. Um, so, sorry, um, I, um, my brain's a bit dirty. I, I didn't absorb all the rules entirely. You've got six, shoot six shots and... Six arrows six and, six, six, rounds, and six rounds. And you get bonuses for getting rid of all your arrows faster. Correct. You, the arrows have to stick in the targets to count. Yeah. And the, the better the shot, the better. Yeah. But um, is the conception you can pick any target you like, or do you have to hit all targets? No, the conception is you pick any targets you like. So right. close target is one point for hitting it, or yeah. three points for bullseyeing. Yeah. The next one is three points for hitting it, nine points for bullseye. The last one is five points for hitting it. 15 points for bullseye. Right, yeah. So it's a, it's a bit of a judgment call. Yeah. So what's the range penalties for the... Because Tr- Tristan could shoot mostly at the close targets. Correct. Uh, so the range penalties for longbow then go to minus two for yeah. the secondary target. Yeah. Um, and... Divided by ten, uh, minus ten for the far away target. Yeah. <laughs> which is 550 foot away, incidentally. So yeah. You're talking quite a feat of archery here. Yeah. Tristan also has the capacity to inspire courage on himself for this, which will give him plus two to hit and plus two to all his damage rolls, which is pretty beneficial. Yeah. It will take out one of his rounds, but he's got rapid shots, so he can still divest himself of all his arrows. Yeah. And of course, he can also now full attack if he's so inclined. Yeah, yeah, that one seems like a bad idea, whereas the rapid shot is only a minus two. And you get provided with a masterwork bow composite to your specifications. Yeah, so Kalen could add a plus four composite to it. Yes, yes, at which point Kalen will penetrate the hardness without blinking, looking at it. Um, On the other hand, um, Tristan... Even your poorest hit with your mighty strength will smash into the target and stick in. Yeah. Tristan may have a little more difficulty sticking, but he's actually not hideously weak, and particularly with Inspire Courage up. Yeah, that will give him the distance. I think I will go with Tristram. It's a tough call because Kalen's got a lot of advantages, particularly at the length, but the reality is the a minus 10 is still... Got, he's going to be much better at hitting the second target, but a minus 10 is still yeah. quite a substantial penalty. And um, what does Kalen hit with for his longbow? Uh, sorry. His, what? his attack bonus with his longbow. Oh, um, with his uh, with his regular longbow, or what did he get with a full composite? Uh, how much would you roll if you were adding a d20 and adding your attack bonus with a longbow? Oh, right. Composite uh, should make no difference. Right, sorry. Um, it's a nine on right. the straight on the straight attack. Okay, so the Kalen shouldn't be doing this. Right. Uh, among other things, Michaela is. Um, Oh no, sorry, that's her longbow. No, Michaela is not better at this than Yush, but she is only slightly worse. Yeah, because Tristram's only um, got a um, only got it only hitting at a ten. Excuse me, because he's got seven base attack bonus and three dexterity. So Tristram will be hitting at a plus eleven to hit. Ah, okay. Because that's his attack bonus on his bow. Yeah, right. So, um, right, because it's a masterwork bow? Well, he's got seven base attack. Yep. Um, three decks. 
Yeah. And then a masterwork bow. Yeah, yeah, and sorry. And what he'll be getting is a masterwork bow yeah, anyway. I, I forgot. It to... won't deal frost damage like his regular short bow or take advantage of his um, yeah. distance. Yeah, but that's... Um, Enchantment, so, but... So that's got... Um, so Kaelin will be hitting it a 10 then. Right. Because of, because of the masterwork bow. I forgot to count that in. Right. Okay, so it's vaguely much for muchness... Until you add in that Tristan can inspire courage and rapid shot. Yeah, Tristan, I think the inspire courage and rapid shot is better than Caleb's capacity to shoot a longbow and have and the composite damage. Yeah, his major problem is that he is not proficient with a longbow. Yeah. If he was proficient with a longbow, it would be pretty damn clear, but it, because we didn't give him that fighter level. Yeah, yeah. I, I think even though he's got the disadvantage of the short bow, I want to go forward with him. But if this was a contest of mounted archery, then it would probably be in Tristan's pocket, whereas yeah. as it is, this the way these rules are set up do not necessarily favour him. Yep, no, but I still I still think he's the one to go for. Okay. So Stagthorn will be floating Tristan as their man. Okay. All good then. Yes. Okay, so this is one of the ones that I haven't been able to roll out in advance because the people's tactics will change depending on how badly they're hitting or missing. Yeah. Like at the point where you've missed five of your shots anyway, you might as well shoot and try and crit the giant far away one. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know in what order you want to do these things. I can go a couple of times and then Tristan can go, Tristan can go, and then all of my guys can go. I think the more dramatic one is for Tristan to be third or fourth. So yep. if we go with you pick a couple of your guys more or less randomly and yep. have them shoot and then we'll and then Tristan has some idea okay. of the field, but he doesn't get you know, yeah. that's normally the way it goes, you don't get to see every single person. Can shoot. you roll me a D eight then? Yep. Oh in fact, if so that would be re rolling ones and eights. Can you roll me a D six? Because yep. there are six competitors that are not Tristan. Six. Uh, that would be Kundal from Fort Drelev. Oh, shiny. So they are literally, all these people line up and they are yeah. selected out of a hat. Um, and you will see the various people who are up here. Um, I can give these to you in advance or I can just announce them as they go. No, announce them as they go. It's more dramatic. Much just, uh, Dumb and Jot uh, steps up with his longbow. Uh, sorry, um, Kundal. Yeah. Dumb and Jot. I'm looking Dumb and Jot is going to be up for Mibble, of course. Yes. Uh, Kundal. Among other things, it lets me watch how other people's tactics go, which is helpful, because I always struggle with this one about which targets to go for. So, Kundal steps up, and basically... So, uh, uh, so this is set up in a coliseum-style environment. They've got a whole bunch of seating around the back end and all the sides, and then a couple of apparently really cheap tickets for people who are actually behind the targets. Yeah, their odds of getting hit are pretty damn slim because that's pretty far away, nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, you and all of your people on behalf of your kingdom are just copped in, basically. Yeah. Everyone else needs to pay to enter and watch the tournament. Yeah. Of which several people have done so. And Iravetti is the guy announcing all of this as the MC. Um, so he stands up and doesn't have anything so mundane as a hat. 
he appears to actually have something like a clockwork drawing wheel. It's this round thing that he puts a bunch of bits of paper in. Then he turns a handle on the outside and it spins itself rapidly around. And then he reaches in and picks a piece of paper out. Um, he said, Representing Fort Drolev, the Archer Kundor. And Kundal steps up and the crowd cheers and he sort of flexes and yeah. does the Hulk Hogan posing. And yeah. rips his shirt a little. Steps up, takes the longbow, tests it a couple of times, sticks his six arrows in the crowd next to it, and stands down the end of the field and prepares to fire. And Erevitti looks to one of the miscellaneous functionaries who is doing this, who dings the bell, and Kundal begins to fire. Uh, he fires like a maniac, um, shooting rapidly as fast as he possibly can. Yeah. Uh, and he begins to fire them at the green target, the one in the centre. Yep. So it's blue cobalt. Um, that's probably not appropriate, given that you're here. <laughs> um, Goblin? Yeah, blue. It, it looks like it was a blue cobalt in previous years. Yeah. Owing to Stagthorn, it has been changed to a blue cobalt, a green owlbear, and a red dragon. Yep. And he will fire on the owlbear. Uh, he is committed to this, so for his first round he full attack rapid shots. Yep. And this is not helpful. Then does math. Yep. Because they haven't listed in range penalties and all of this sort of guff. Yep. Uh one attack of long bows for the green, it's minus two, isn't it? Yes, minus two for minus two for long. Yep. Okay, so Yeah, so Do you want to can I get you anything to help notepad, that kind of stuff? Uh a little scrap of paper scrap pad of paper would be good. Yep. Just give me the pad. Okay, Kundal. Yeah. Of his first three arrows, one yep. sticks solidly into the green target and yep. the other two this. Yep. Um, undeterred by this, he rapidly fires off the second series. Yep. Three of them again in round two, doing the same thing again. Yep. Again, hit on the first. And miss, miss. That is not terribly impressive. Yep. Uh, so he nets himself a total of six points. Yep. And, then, and, then what and as he is now out of arrows, yep. with four rounds remaining, yep. uh, he picks up eight more points cool. for okay. having emptied out. Yep. And the crowd cheers this. Yep, it's a it's a it's a, it's a perfectly adequate performance. All right. Next one. Yep. Roll me that d6 again. Oh. D6. Okay. Five. Uh. Representing the first world, the true knight of thorns. Oh, this ought to be good. And he steps up and stares around at the crowd. Um, the only entourage he has is the so is the so-called wriggling man yeah. that he has brought with him. 
and he just seems to kind of stand alone in his own little section, like no one really wants to go near him. Yeah, I mean, certainly the name is putting me off. And the true knight of thorns steps up, he stares over to where you and Tristan are, and behind his ironwood helm, literally point, does the point at his eyes, points at you, and stares the pair of you down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then begins to fire. And he will also start rapid shotting. Yeah. Um, a bit more carefully than Kundal, he does not full attack each round. Yeah. He takes his best shot with a rapid shot on it. Um, he appears to be using a longbow. Yeah. As is everyone but yep. Tristan in this. Yeah. Um, and he will take two rapid shots at the green target. Yep. The first of which will hit. And the second of which will miss. Yep. So that nets him three points. Yep. And that is his first round used. Yep. Um, the second round, he does the same thing again. Yep. Ooh, I missed that one again. Uh, nope, he will just hit that. Uh, and these guys appear to be strong enough that they, you'll notice I'm not bothering rolling damage. Yeah. They just have no trouble penetrating the hardness on the yeah. target. Yeah. Uh, we'll hit. Again, we'll hit with one, we'll miss with the other. Yeah. Uh, he has now used two of his rounds and four of his arrows. Yeah. He draws his arrow and spends round three aiming carefully. Yeah. Which gives him a plus five to his next shot. Right, a plus five. A to plus five to his good, next shot. Good to know. I thought it was two, but it is indeed five. Yeah. Okay, and um, in that case, um, if he rapid shots on the following round, that drops to a plus three, but applies to both of his arrows. Uh, I believe I would have to look that up. Because I've got it listed here in their tactics. Yeah. As this guy does this, this guy does that, this guy does the other thing. Um, objects. Arm class. If you take a full round action to line up a shot, uh, you automatically hit it with a melee weapon. You get a plus five bonus on attack rolls with a ranged weapon. And then... Rapid shot. Uh, yep. Doesn't specify... Um, You can no, that can't be right. You get no. So he will get one shot at that plus at five. five. Cool. He spends a full round lining this up. Yeah. Um, and so we will say this is now round number four. Yeah. Spends round three lining up the shot. Yeah. Round four, he fires a single arrow at the red target. Yeah. Uh, moreover, he doesn't seem to blink at the distance that he's shooting at. Yeah. As if he has far shot. Yes. Uh, this one he will blink at, and the green target as well, comfortably within his range. Yeah. Ooh, soft. And he lines his shot up carefully, and just as he's going to shoot, Tristan, you know, leans forward really excitedly by this, and the True Knight of Thorns turns around and just death glares him, and then misses his shot. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
is round three, nothing. Round four, he rolls a one and misses. Yep. Automatically. Ugh. Uh, that then leaves him round five and six. And he will do the same again. Another another round carefully aiming and then his last arrow at the red target? Yep. And he will wallop the red target this time, really close to dead center. Oh, Clo- dead close to a bullseye, but not quite getting. Oh wait, it doesn't have to be that way. He doesn't do a crit. He lines up this time. He seems to. Uh, you actually get to see both check here for the people who are watching this. Oh, okay. So that is Tristan and Bryn. Okay. Uh, not Michaela. Oh, is Michaela the person you assigned? No, no, to? sorry. Um, okay, so I get specifically Tristan. Bryn's the person I've assigned to watch. The two people you've picked on the character screen. Okay. One of whom is Tristan. Oh, right, one of them is Tristan, because he's the protagonist. Yes, sorry, that's the part I didn't understand. Yes, Bryn is the one I've picked. So Tristram's role is a... Oh, my, Tristram, that's not a good sense motive. Um, is a 15. <laughs> it's so exciting! Uh, but he is, you know, stalking the Knight of Thorns. He is fanboying yeah. the Knight of Thorns. Um, and Bryn, who gets a 20. Because okay. she's trying to watch out for Shikandri. Tristram is merely interested in the So thoughts. he seems to get very distracted at that one pivotal moment. Yeah. Um, and curses himself and, and goes to rage, and then goes completely dead calm. You think he's almost shut his eyes and taken a breath for a moment. Um as he just lets go of all the distractions around him, lets go of why he's here, um, but still takes the briefest moment to glare at Tristan and Kaylin over there. Yeah. This is this is about showing you guys up. Yeah. And he, whang, hits the dragon dead center, and the crowd goes, whoa, as he nets 15 points for his final arrow. Oh, that's going to be a tough beat. And... That is 18, 21 points total, with no bonuses for having any extra yeah, rounds left. Yeah. And yes, that will be a tough beat. Yeah. On the other hand, if Tristram um, scores somewhere in here, we get some amount yeah, of that's, points. That's a hell of a mighty shot. Yeah. That's a 550 foot range shot. Yeah. Um, he actually doesn't penetrate that automatically with his strength, so he will have to roll damage. Yeah. Uh, however, he should trivially do it because um, he's also critting it. Yeah. Yeah. Funk sticks dead into the bullseye, and the crowd goes, Ooh, and there's much applause for this. Yeah, Tristram, she is appreciatively. And the knight, you know, but turn, in, a, in, a, in a lordly manner. Turns around, you know, bows to the crowd, sort of raises his arms, gets more cheers. Walks off the field again, the head turns to look at Tristan and Taylor, and then he goes back to his his kingdom's corner. Yeah. By which I mean the two people that he's bought. Yeah. Okay. One more, I think, than Tristan? Yep, sounds good. Okay. Give me a... One. That will do fine. Uh, um, announcing from Pytax, the archer Gaitane, and the little dude that was sort of very small, kind of hunched over that you saw in their progression with a hood and cape up, keeping that that anonymous look again, steps up and it's pretty obvious there's no way he's going to be able to shoot accurately like this. So he pulls his hood back and 
As he does so, there are a few sort of whispers from the crowd. Uh, he is not a human being. He looks like he is some sort of rat person. Oh. Uh, like so. Got Indeed, tell. yes. Um, he is quite small. You know, he borders on being a bit bigger than a halfling, but not substantively. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's a rat man. I'm kind of assuming here that you'll let me know when Bryn should be making checks for... Yes, um, yes. No, one is, like... no one is cheating yet, yeah. so there is nothing to see. Yeah. Um, and of course, if you fail the check, you don't notice anyone yeah. cheating, so I just destroy it past it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, if you want me to make the check in advance so it's not obvious who's doing the cheating, you're welcome to, because... No, I, I don't care. Okay. I know you're not going to act on information that your characters don't possess. Yeah. And I... metagame Bryn sh- stands up and shouts, I felt like I needed to roll a spot check. That yeah. guy's cheating. Yeah. That would totally be a good um, Order of the Stick um, style one. Uh. So he will step up, also has a longbow, draws the arrow, and for the first round he just stands there aiming, quietly, calmly, and barely breathing. Yeah. Um. Gaitane spends round one doing nothing, or aiming rather. Uh, round two, he single shots at the red dragon. Yep. Hits it. Nice. Round three, he aims again. Yeah. Round four, he single shots at the red dragon. Yeah. And hits it. Yep. Um, but he's got and he's got four arrows, two rounds and four arrows left. Yep. Round five, he shoots all of his arrows at the uh, blue goblin. Ah, nice. Flink, flink, flink. Uh, Tristan would be able to recognise this pretty easily. He is not rapid shotting. He's just taking a full attack. Nice. So he got four attacks. Three attacks. Right. He's this is round five, and he's got four oh, arrows right. to go. Yeah, right. So he's using three, three of them arrows. on this round. Yep. Uh, crits the crits the kobold with his first one. Oh, nice! For three points. Yeah. Uh, hits it with the second one, which is relatively easy to do for yeah. one point, and misses it with the third one. Yeah. So netting him four points this round. Uh, in in the last round, he will shoot again for the red dragon. This time without taking aim with yeah. his last arrow. And that one he will miss. Yeah. Uh, netting him a grand total of 14 points. Yep. No excess rounds. Yep. And the crowd applauds politely to this. Gaitain doesn't celebrate at all. He just sort of flicks his hood up and just slinks off the field again. Yep. And then do we watch Tristan? Yes. Dink, dink, dink. Rattle, rattle, rattle. Goes the wheel. Tristan Thorn of Stagthorn. Tristan will walk out. People are... And um, he walks, you know, slightly diffidently and shyly up to the starting line, eyes up the target. The true knight of Thorns stands on the sideline and goes, shakes yeah. his fist at you. Uh, take a deep breath. Think about the book. <laughs> <laughs> and whips out his short bow. Mm-hmm. And spends his first round inspiring courage. 
Okay. As he um, hums under his breath. Um, yep. You know, someone who is particularly close might recognize a song about the uh, heroic library preserver who, um, you know, rescued books from a fire. Yep. <laughs> Thus inspiring him to focus on making these shots for the books. Yeah, so he has a plus two to all his things. Yeah, plus uh, two to hit, plus two to damage. That gives you a d6 plus three, doesn't it? Uh, yes, because yeah. okay. so you don't you don't have to worry about rolling damage or anything. Um, yeah, because he's got he's plus got one, one composite, composite yeah. and two from his thing. Cool, good. Uh, you will pass the hardness of everything automatically. Sweet. Okay. It's it's only really a dissuasion if you are a particularly weak archer. Yeah. Okay, and then um. So that is Tristan's round one. Yeah. He inspires courage. Yep. Uh, and you start with longbows drawn, so you yep. don't have to worry. Bows drawn, so you don't have yep. to worry about that. And then, um, round two, yep. he is going to rapid shot the goblin. Rapid shot the close target? Yep. By all means. Uh, are you... Uh, you don't actually have to make this call, whether you're full attacking or not at this no. stage, but go to. So. Is... Oh. Crit fumble? Yeah, um... Yeah. At which point he will miss that automatically. The pressure is just getting yeah. a bit much. Tristram's just having a think about it if he wants to spend one of his hero points on this. Mm. It's one point for hitting it? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, one point isn't that much. It's probably going to be pretty crucial, though. Um, I think um, Kaelin will lend him a hero point at this time. Uh, if you would like hero points for Tristan, you are most welcome yeah. to them. No, actually, it's no, it's it's not. It's it's a single shot at a close target. It's not worth the no. It, it's simply a fail. Yep. Okay. And here we are. The second shot is a. Uh, it's not going to crit. And, it's not going to bullseye unless it crits. No, right. You have to crit to yep. get bullseye. So the second shot merely hits the, hits the hits the um close target. Yep. With ease, so... Round two, Tristan, alas, misses one as the Knight of Thorns glares at him. Yeah. Uh, MD is an asshole. We'll openly heckle him. Yeah. Miss, you hear? Yeah. One point in round two. Yep. And four arrows to go. Yep. Round three. Yep. At which point he will... Um... Yeah, it's... Tristan would not really have a strong expectation of winning this anyway. No. Because this is simply not his forte. Yeah. He will take a shot at the, um... What's the middle one? The green albeer? The, the green albeer. Yep. Ooh. And, um... Alright, because he's got a... Yeah, so he doesn't crit it, and he's got a minus six, which he then supplements with his plus two to be a minus four. So he hits it comfortably. Yep. Uh, so that is three points. Yep. That's round three done, and you have three arrows to go. Yep. Um, at which point um, is a lethal... What kind of DC am I aiming for to hit the dragon? What do I need to get to... Uh, it has an AC of ten. Right, so minus fourteen plus two minus twelve... Yeah, that's not a good odds. On the other hand, I could really use the points. He will take one shot of... Actually, no. What am I going to do? Yeah, if I aim, I can get a plus five on that. Yeah. Um, He will rapid shot the kobold again. Okay. Uh, Hits the 
first time. Yep. And hits the second time, both nice, comfortable shots. Two points in round four. Yep. Gives you round five and six to go, and I believe one, two, three, four, five, one arrow left. Yep. And in round five, he will just focus on the dragon. Okay. And then round six, he will aim for a clean shot at the dragon. Plus five to hit. Meaning he's up against a minus nine. Yep. And... Let's see here... Plus 10 is 27 minus 9, and he will hit the dragon. For 5 points. Giving him 10 points total. Yep. So that is worse than everyone? Worse than everyone. Yeah. 21, 14, 14, 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the short bow was just a, a, a big... Yeah. D- I don't think Kalen was going to do a lot better. Though, no, so. I don't think so. The, um... The principal advantage Kalen had is I was sure he'd hit all the targets and given Tristram some amount of that pretty effortlessly. It wasn't really a thing. Uh, so that is Tristan. Yep. Uh, next one. Yep. Can you roll me a d3? People clap and cheer and all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, roll me... Roll d3. D3. Okay. Three so more competitive to go. So. Okay, I'll roll a d6. So, four. Uh, divided... So, two. Uh, that would be Dumb and Jot. Water uh, of nice. Um... Alright, so he will step up, sort of, takes a couple of deep breaths to himself, and spends the first round lining up his shot. Yep. Uh, he then spends the second round full attacking the red target. Yep. At which point he gets a plus five on his first hat. Yeah. And nothing on his second one. Uh, he will. Also has far shot. Yeah. Hit it with the first one. Will not hit it with the second one. Yeah. Five points. Same thing again. Yep. Spins around laying out the shot. Misses, misses. Yep. Um, then. Looks like he is start- looks like he is kind of uncomfortable here in this setup. Um, yeah. Tournament shooting doesn't really seem to be the thing that he's um yeah, built yeah. for. And it looks as if he, he very slightly panics here, abandons his strategy, and proceeds to full attack the goblin target. Yeah. Hits it once, yep. leaving him one round where he has no arrows. Yep. So, five, six. That is a total of eight points. Yep. Given his um, bonus for emptying his quiver quickly. Yep. And seems slightly disappointed with himself, but nonetheless yep. raises a hand, the crowd chat claps, yep. and he exits. Yep. I think I should have focused more arrows on the goblin target and gotten bonus, but... On the other hand, if you'd hit them all at six points... Yeah. Although, if you'd hit them all in three rounds... If you'd hit them all in two rounds, which I think is the best you can do, full attack, rapid shot... Yeah. Then you'd have picked up six bonus points. Yeah, Which would have given you 12 total. Yeah. Which is better than what you had, but not substantively. And I probably wouldn't have hit the target um, each time 
by the time you factor in the full attacking. Uh, and that is Dumb and Jot. Yes. Uh, next one, roll me a d2. Okay. Low. Uh, Ilrath Vladkani of Dagomark. Oh, interesting. Uh, he steps up, uh, and you have seen this guy's ilk before because you've dated Lillian Visky. He is a Varesian. Oh, nice. Um, in classic gypsy clothing and all that sort of thing. Um, Kaelin, Tristan, and Bryn all grossly lack the um, background to notice the little scars need tats and that sort of thing he has on him. Yeah. Um, and then he steps up. Uh, and at this point, Bryn gets her spot check. Right. Uh, it's lots. Uh, that is 37. Okay. So, what's happened with it, with all of these people is they've preemptively picked out a bow and that sort of thing and tested its pull and made sure it's composited to their strength and all that kind of thing. And they go over to the functionary and they pick up the bow and they pick six arrows out of the quiver, no problem, then they go up and shoot. Most of them stick the arrows in the ground, some of them, some of them stick them in a quiver, whatever they're most comfortable with. This doesn't look particularly advanced or anything. Uh, as far as everyone else sees, Ilraith goes over and does exactly the same thing as everyone else. What Bryn sees is he walks over to the functionary, um, picks up his bow, um, picks up his six arrows, and sticks them into his own personal quiver. Nothing terribly unusual there. But as he does so, she sees his fingers flicker behind the back of his cloak as he sort of itches at his neck and does this. And six different arrows that look pretty largely the same fall out of his sleeve into his quiver, and he palms the original six and slips them back up his sleeve. So he has changed out the default tournament brand arrows for his own personal ones, presumably because they will advantage him in some way. And he starts wandering over to shoot, whether or not um, Brun wants to call this out. Yeah, I think... um... Uh, you're, you're, the guy instantly wanted a public exposure of the cheating. Yeah, the, the, uh, and it also seems to be what Bryn could do. So I see Bryn and, and stands up in the up and, um, using different arrows. And she will actually clamber out of the seat and, um, jump, jump headlong yeah. down <laughs> off the stand. Ilrath um, sort of raises his hand to surprise this wolf girl rushes yeah. over to him. And whoa, 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 and and a couple of the various guards will sort of step forward to ensure there isn't a fracas here. Arrows he drew, arrows he drew up arrows his arrows he drew her up his sleeve. Those probably magic arrows. And Iravetti stands up. Everyone, stop. <laughs> Darth Vader's his way across the field. And it is. People just kind of stop as he does this, and Ilrath's eyes dart from side to side, and he looks kind of nervous, but there isn't really shit he can do at this point. And Irvine, he walks up, looks Bryn up and down. What did you see? And Bryn will, I'm not doing a very good job with her voice. Bryn narrates in her straightforward (laughs) manner exactly what she saw. Palmed his arrows. Has has substitutes. Different. Maybe magic. Real arrows up sleeve. 
give me the arrows from your quiver, your wrath, or I will take them. Not really seeing any better alternative, <laughs> he hands over, and Iravini puts the arrow in his gauntlet palm and bends it like so, and this should, like, you would assume a guy who can wear full plate could trivially snap an arrow in yeah. half. I mean, even eight-strength characters can do those with a bit of pulling. He bends the arrow, it doesn't bend. Sort of like it's large and very difficult to destroy. He looks at you. This is made of adamantine. And then goes over, um, sends one of his runners over who brings Emeka Struan over, who looks at the thing, starts casting a spell on them, and says, Oh, yes, they're most certainly magical. These are not the tournament arrows at all. Forgeries. Ilrath, you are disqualified. Immediately remove yourself from this field. <laughs> and the crowd boos heavily. <laughs> and you see the other representatives from Dagomark are sort of sitting there going, face palming in the crowd. <laughs> And Brim um, will just leave at that point, um, you know, without waiting to be dismissed or yep. anything. She just walks off back and climbs back up the podium. Ilray scores himself a grand sum of zero points. Yep. <laughs> and a DQ. <laughs> and if that's inconvenient for Dagomark, that's too damn bad. Um, he cannot be arrested or charged or anything like this. Yeah. The diplomatic immunity functionally covers it, but... Yeah. I, I wasn't certain whether it was a smart move to do that, but I figured seeing I used Bryn for it, this seems like exactly how she'd approach the situation. Yeah. And I also think that the, you know, trying to Nancy around it probably wouldn't get him to score a fight. So what he has there, everybody will go back and announce this to the crowd, that Ilwraith has been disqualified for using adamantine magical arrows painted the same colour as the tournament arrows in a yep. clear and deliberate effort to cheat. Yeah. Um that now that this has been exposed and Bryn will sort of quickly realise after the fact because everyone shoots all the arrows down the end someone will probably find this out at the end when they pick all the arrows up and realise these ones are different but that only tells you one of the six competitors cheated oh, and right. it's not like you can fix it after the fact yeah you know it'd be pretty damn hard to turn around and say well it was probably Guy Tang yeah yeah he's a dirty rat guy yeah yeah so well Rather than have a public, they'd probably just let it, the whole thing go, rather than and just not publicise it at all. Rather than have one of the six competitors cheated, we don't know which one, and the whole tournament result is invalid. And that would be Dagomark. That would be Dagomark. Zero points to DQ, and the last one up is Ord of Grolton. Uh-uh. Ord of Grolton. Yep. Brennan is watching, just is still watching for cheaters, incidentally, uh, just in case. He is a half-elf guy. Yeah. Um, he steps up and takes a breath and meticulously pinks away at the green owl there over and over again. Yep. Taking basically one shot every round. Yep. Miss. 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 Hit. Uh, 
what's left of this. Uh, miss again. Ugh. And realising that he is well behind on points, he changes up his strategy and fires his last one at the Red Dragon. Yeah. In hopes of a desperate crit, essentially. Yeah. And misses it clean. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that there were some worse contenders towards the he's, end there. It's he's clear me- that the best archers went first. He's meticulous yeah. and goes for an exactly middle of the road strategy. Yeah. But it just doesn't get him anywhere. Yeah. Alright. Which means that Tristram is only fourth, one, one off getting us a tournament place, which he, he could have done better than if the, um, if um, one of the second place contenders had shot slightly worse, he might have been in with a shot. Uh, as so, there's there's some gathering together in this. The winner of the start of the archery tournament, representing the first world, the true knight of thorns, and he looks over to the two of you and just gives you the ironwood fist, shaking at the shaking at stag thorn. Uh, yeah. Um, and then walks off looking very happy and smug. Yeah. Swaggering slightly. Um, a tie between second and third for, between Kundal of Fort Drelith and Gaitain of Pytax. In accordance with the Rushlight tournament rules, a tiebreaker stage will be held using one arrow until second and third place is settled. So, arbitrarily... Uh, Gaitain steps up first. Yeah. So basically, he will take one shot, accrue the maximum number of points he can with it. Yeah. Then Kundal will take one. Whoever yeah. has more points out of the two of them instantly becomes second. Yeah. Uh, if they tie again, they do it again, again. and again and again. Yeah. So Gaitain uh, only has one round for this, so he will not be able to do his usual trick. Uh, he will go for the middle and shoot the green target. Yep. Which he hits. Yep. Uh, uh, Kundal uh, goes over and you see Hannes Drelev runs up to him and animatedly waves his arms and points yeah. and tells him what to do and Kundal sort of sighs, shrugs goes up and shoots for the red dragon yeah. and misses it Yeah, which was a fairly because uh, if he'd shot the green one he'd probably have headed and tied it and stretched it out for another round and Kundal sort of <clears throat> growls and clenches his fist and walks off looking unhappy. Yeah. Then the results of this tournament. In first place, the first world, represented by the, representing the first world, the true knight of thorns. In second place, representing the kingdom of Pytax, Gaitain. In third place, representing Fort Drelev, Kundor. And accordingly, they score three, two, and one points. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm sad that we didn't place, but I'm happy that Dagomart uh, didn't get any points at all. Tristan comes in fourth. Yeah. Of seven. Yeah. So that's not bad. No. He's no. just not quite high enough to place. No. The, um, I think that was given that he was. Given that um, I think if all the competitors were shooting with short, short bows, Christian would have been a much more in a much more commanding position. But his weapon proficiencies undo him. Also, as you say, he spent money on a distance bow rather than um, taking the stunt of fire, which a lot of these guys have, and not surprising. Well, it advantages him in everything except tournament shooting. Yeah, yeah, which is not exactly something. I mean, let's face it: when it came to k- killing owlbears on 
I, I don't know if you remember this one, but when we were killing the outbear, it was largely the fact that Tristram could shoot a bow from a horse reliably with the um, saved our asses, because Caelan sure couldn't. Uh, and the True Knight of Thorn will actually walk past... True Knight of Thorns will actually walk past the pair of you. Yeah. Um, with his wriggling man companion next to him, and in a really unsotto voice, um, says to says, says his companion... What would their father think now, I wonder? <laughs> and walks past, and Tristan looks up and... Ooh, wobbles! <laughs> and looks very sad indeed. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, Kaelin. I did the best I could. And, um... Kaelin will, um, put an arm around him. Um, you did great, You did great. Certainly better than I would have done. It's, um... The, um... And in fact, Caelan will, will, will remember the Albert. We'd both be dead. We'd both be dead now if you weren't um, really good at shooting shooting your bow from a horse. This just uh, this isn't specifically what you do. But you and, and you did and you did some good solid shooting. Nothing to be ashamed of. That um. That, uh, that fellow's got his own problems, uh, and it, I'd say he's got a great deal more to do than either of us. Uh, three, two, one. Alright. Okay. There's plenty, plenty more tournaments to come. Can you shut that back door? Sure. If it's to diminish the noise of people with lawnmowers and chainsaws and things. Okay, and that is the archery contest in yeah. the Rushlight Tournament. Tristan's like, next year I'm going to take a bar shot, then fuck you all. Yeah. Okay, and you have... That is the afternoon, this evening there will be the Caster's Ball. Yes. So, um, about cheating... Yep. Um, I would like, even without the warning that someone's going to cheat in a tournament, I would like to assign someone to watching out for it. Yep. So I figure, um, depending on how you want to do this, I can... You will just basically be selecting a secondary character who will event. Sweet, okay. No problem then. Because your primary is obviously the guy who's competing. Yep. Okay. Okay. In which case, I wish to um, go find the guy who was going to sell me the magic, a- who was going to give me the magic arrows, and um, take him up on that before he, you know, forgets he said to give me the maximum chance of him remembering that he said that. Right, right. I, I don't forget these things. You see, I remember your Majesty says, <clears throat> Baron Timesti says, says, yeah, <laughs> right. So he caught that dirty bastard Hillrith cheat. That explains how he did so well. Last year he got five points over me. It's crap. But I've got something here for you. Like, you, here, you, you take this. You take these. You'll, you'll like them. And he gives you a bunch of stuff. Yay! Uh, it is 15. Yep. Plus three flaming burst arrows. I'm gonna go laugh at Ilrath. <laughs> he thinks he's so big over there in Camp Grolton. I'll show them what for. <laughs> oh, well, so his chances of actually finding Ilrath are fairly slow. 
capabilities in Dagomite. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then with a couple of hours before the caster's ball. Yep. Um, which Kaelin is planning to attend, despite, you know, it being a big fancy party. Yep. Yeah. However, if Bryn doesn't want to go, he's totally happy to not take her with him. If, if you know, we pretend the babies need care or whatever. Uh, it's definitely something she's doing because she has to. Yeah. But no, the the expectation is very strong that the king and the queen will be there to dance. Okay. You can you can blow it off. No one's going to force you. No. But it's definitely an insult. Okay. No problem. All right. Then um, <coughs> then Bryn and I will both go. And, you know, dancing with her will at least make it slightly less point- slightly less horrible. Um, so before that, uh, I want to do some more intriguing poking around style stuff. Yep. Um, what I'm interested in it is what's Pytax up to at the tournament specifically? Um, what's a Rivetti do? Are they sticking around trying to do any poking poke with the tournament or... Are they up to anything behind the scenes against Stagthorn are my two areas of interest. Mm-hmm. Which I may or may not be able to actually discover anything about because, you know... Uh, are you poking around quietly? Yes. Minus five penalty. Go for it. Okay, at which point that is a 22. Okay. So... Pytax <clears throat> and Iroveti. Sinister tournament-related plans. Set up the tournament or Kaelin at tournament plans. Kaelin's targeting Stagthorn style plans. Okay, so you will discover um, that Pytax has very few in the way of actual counsellors at this tournament. Ah, yep. Um, You have, in fact, already met the only two of them that are here. Um... Villamore Koth, Steel Juggernaut. Yep. Um, is Pytax's general. Yep. Um, and Gaitain, the Rat Man. Yep. Uh, is his royal enforcer, effectively. Yep. His, his troubleshooter, quote unquote. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, could I also get Tristram or whoever has the relevant knowledge to give me a bit of a, um, dump on what's known about the rat people? Yep. Uh, that would be knowledge nature. Cool. So Bryn. Oh, me, actually. Tristram. Tristram. Okay, cool. Oh, you know what you might need? You can just roll it for me. Yeah, that's very, that's very true. That'll save the trouble of, given that the caster's ball is going to be really good. It's going to be Tristram again. Uh, oh, bucket loads. Uh, 37. No, 35. No, 37. 37. Okay, so, Tristram. Says you, oh no, I, I don't think Gaitain's some sort of unknown race or anything. I mean, there are su- there are such things about, but only deep, deep in the Underdark. No, I, I think it's much more likely that he's a were-rat. Oh! Uh, uh, a little odd that he spends his time in his hybrid form, although there are advantages to it, as we've seen with Kundal, that would make him stronger, faster, more resistant to damage, that sort of thing. Really, you'd think that... The Clockwork King would be concerned about getting infected, but I suppose that may not be a concern for him. I, I kind of be capable of doing it. I think he might be past those kind of things. Also, he doesn't really touch people. Don't you need to? Don't you need to get bitten to be infected? Well, yes. 
and, and there's nothing saying that Gaetan would have to bite people his nature doesn't compel him except at certain times mm. yes and I can see um, it, it, there's, there's not a point not, not a lot of point tear, tearing around the place as a rat whereas I suppose we have considered Kundal for, for a counsellor so if his condition is manageable there's no reason he shouldn't be able to fulfil the role I think um you know, we would have asked Kundal not to go around as a half-wolf, half-man in public, but then we care, care a great deal more about our public image than um, Pytex seems to. How very true. <laughs> uh, in terms of Pytex itself, since you ask... Yes. Um, uh, Pytex is a river kingdom of some pedigree, mm-hmm. uh, able to trace its history back three generations... Um, making it, you know, 150 years old. Yeah. Um, it has been overrun twice on the, uh, in its 150 years, uh, once by Mivorn and once by the orcs of Belskin. Uh, Belzin, yeah. Belzin, sorry. Um, uh, its family, its, its kingship has passed down the Erevetti line. Yeah. So he had a grandfather, then a father, then him. Yeah. Um, or and his gra- and his grandfather was the kingdom's founder. Correct. Right. Yep. Um, who was, um, uh, depending on how whitewashed you like your history, yeah. Um, a basically, um, Tristan would effectively call him a bandit king. Ah, yeah. You know, he was a guy who was here in this in this largely unused wilderness. Yeah. Who more or less hacked it out, hacked out a kingdom from his neighbours. So, so it's probably a lot like what the stag lord would have done if given the opportunity. Yeah. Although, to be honest, you know, that's kind of how everyone gets their kingship in the in the river kingdoms. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the distinction at this point historically between his group being bandits and his group being mercenaries is pretty slim. Although I do think there is a point of distinction in that while it's true that Caelan just kind of showed up and took land that was found wanting, he didn't actively rob the local people. Uh, so he was moderate. He was a moderately good leader. Yeah. Erevedi's father was kind of, was considered generally poor. Yeah. Uh, Pytex lost a lot of land during that time. Yeah. Um... And when Castoruccio Erovetti took power, his father and his grandfather just died of, uh, you know, general conditions. Yeah, yeah. Um, that he took power, and a lot of his history is not commonly known. Yeah. Like, you know as much as anyone with the vision that you've seen that he was a human being at yeah. some point. Um And he violently and deadly expanded Pytax and wiped out all opposition to him. Yeah. Um, really seriously worrying Brevoy up until the point where he just stopped. Yeah. Dead cold and stopped doing anything of the sort. Yeah. For no readily apparent reason. So how long ago was it that he stopped? Uh... Somewhere in the neighbourhood of 25, 30 years. Right. So he took it over as a young man of early 20s or so, you know, yeah. a little past age majority, was a massively successful king, and then she went, okay, we're done. And, so and he, then he's pretty much sat, and sat on his level of power and everything since then. Brevoy have always run on the theory that 
he's going to expand again sooner or later. It's just a win. They're just wor- they're just waiting for him to start. But the theory is it around the same time that he stopped like jousting and competing in tournaments and stuff. Pretty much. So he just went off the map. Yeah, he stopped doing stuff. He stopped doing stuff, and his kingdom stopped doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that is that. Uh, from your gather information check, you will find out all of Pytax's council is here. You right. have met all three of its members. Right. Okay. Um, a lot of it is done by um, his his clockwork men. Yeah. Um, and Erovetti is very much the one man show. Yeah, yeah. Erovetti is Erovetti is the. Is In the terms kingdom. of his kingdom, word on the street has it as being very Latveria esque. Um, the citizens of Pytax are very well treated. You know, they are very well protected, and they are justifiably proud of their kingdom. Uh, the Clockwork King does not, at least openly, know is not openly known to massacre his people, sacrifice them to his dark gods, etc., etc. Erevetti is a man you don't cross, but he's a good yeah. king as far as his people. Yeah, he is widely considered extremely dangerous, but his populace don't fear him. His yeah. populace actually really like him. Yeah, I mean, more on the... Because um... you want the big fierce dude to be your king. Yeah. Yeah, certainly as compared to the short sissy dude like Draylor. Uh, in terms of all the obvious mysteries, why he stopped doing things, what's behind the armour, etc., etc., none of that is publicly known information. No, that's fine. Um... When you go digging, you will find that um, Erevetti has scrupulously appeared at every Rushlight tournament since taking power, basically. Um, even the ones that he... Um, even the ones where Pytex stopped doing things, he has still kept up this bit of international diplomacy. Yeah. Um, that he has never shown any stunning interest in it. This is the first year that he's MC'd, effectively. Although that's more by a lot than... Um, because Brevoy isn't here, right? Because Bre- don't uh, Brevoy he, usually MC? Someone has to do it. Someone here. someone has to do it. It's usually a volunteer. Yeah. Irovetti volunteered in this case in the absence of Brevoy. Yeah. He didn't have to do it, though. And yeah. He had declined the offer. That just moved on to someone else. Yeah. Um... Uh, Pytax always tend to put on a good show, but are not traditional big winners at the Rushlight tournament. Yeah. Um, almost the, the impression Michaela takes away between the lines is that Erevetti is not that interested in it. He used to, when he was young, come out and do public jousting and all this sort of thing. Yeah. He no longer enters anything himself. Yeah. Um, that duel you had with him is probably the first public event he's done in 20, 25, 30 years. Yeah. Um, and the reason that Pytax doesn't do better in Rushlight tournaments is just because Erevetti is not that interested in it. Yeah, he's not. He's not looking. For he's not. He's not invested enough in it to try and recruit lots of great champions or anything like that. Yeah. Although, as you've seen, his archer was actually pretty damn good. Yeah. So. Okay, cast the Uh Meetings. Ah, okay. Yes, meetings. Uh, Two people have requested Kaelin's um, presence. Yep. Uh, one of them is Timon Marrakis, representative of Dagomark. Yep. Uh, and the other one is the Clockwork King. Okay. I will see them both. In whatever order you please. Um, I'll start with Dagomark. Okay. So, you 
go into the Dagobah Royal Pavilion tent. Yeah. Um, which is a little more drab and less overwhelming than everyone else's. Yeah. And Tomorrow Maracas, this um, 300-year elven guy, uh, dressed in a, a sort of natty little suit and looking quite inoffensive, you know, he says, oh, Your Majesty, please, please, do come in. Sit, join me in a, in a glass of fine elven wine, etc., etc. Um, pontificates at some length about the, you know, the weather, the nature of the kingdoms, you know, what Stagthorn is doing, and makes general small talk. Yeah. And he says, and I, on behalf of Dagomarth, I would like to apologize most strongly. There's not enough we can say for Ilrath's disgraceful and entirely unexpected behavior. Believe me, if our delegation had had any idea that the man was cheating, we would have struck him off our rosters immediately. I, of course. I'm extremely apologetic that this foul incident had to be pointed out by your dear queen. Um, I, I can assure you that Stagthorn holds no grudge. The, um, regrettably, with a, a tournament with such a lot of money and prestige on the line, you do get the odd bad apple. Um, I've, um... I very much enjoyed the. What was her? What was the cool general's name? The elderly one. Uh, Eugenia Varadu. Yeah, I've um enjoyed um Eugenia Varadu's visits to our um kingdom very much, and always um felt that um we had a friendly relationship. Yes, she has spoken strongly in favour of a stronger relationship between Dagenhark and Stagthorn, of which I understand that I understand that several years ago, when her kingdom was founded. Certain factions within Dagomark offered you support. Um, you were, in fact, given an offer from the Dagomark Assassins Guild yeah. um, to have a guild member be your royal enforcer, yeah. um, which you declined to take up. Yeah. Didn't um, Michaela strongly advise against that one? Uh, she advised, uh, if you wish to encourage another kingdom to infiltrate you openly and offer your back for a knife, by all means, take yeah. this deal. Yeah. <laughs> However, I understand that you have. I understand that you've been having some recent trouble with some of your counselors, and that I, I wish to reassure you that Dagomark stands ready should the opportunity arise to assist Stagthor in its leadership potential. Uh, um, alas, the um, I do have quite a lot of talented people to choose from uh, um, with the recent expansion of our kingdom into Vanthorn into into Vanhold and the um. I don't have any counsellors stopped vacant at this time. However, if, um, you know, we could always build relationship in other ways. Uh, I don't have any borders with Dagomart, do I? No. no. They are actually a ways away from yeah. you. They are out past Drelev. Yeah. Um, you know, um, if we, um, I would be happy to discuss trade and the like. Certainly, and he will just rattle at you generally. Yeah. Basically, he will float the offer of um, <clears throat> some miscellaneous ill-specified at this time help from Dagomark in exchange for getting someone on the council that represents Dagomark's interests. Yeah, and I will um, <coughs> gently and politely <coughs> flatly turn him down. Yep. The, um, the, the, Which I, I, he I, seems I, completely unoffended by in yeah, way. But, um... I will keep talking with him in such a way that we've um, done our best to establish a friendly relationship. Yeah, he, he is um, both completely bland and completely inoffensive. Yeah. You find dealing with him mildly pleasurable and immediately forget all the details ten minutes after you've done it. He's, yeah. He's the perfect blank politician. Yeah. 
Then in other news, you have Urubeti. Yes. <laughs> Who I will, of course, um, take an immediate audience with. And if he, and I'm happy to take one privately again with yes. bodyguards outside the tent. Yes, that is indeed what he wants. Um, Greetings, Caleb, King of Stagthorn. Greetings, King Urubeti. This is a festival and a time for games and fun, not a political summit. Hence our enjoyable and educational duel. He says this completely blankly. However, at this time, events have arisen to my notice that involve things other than fun and games. Such as? I have information that would be of great value to your kingdom and very dangerous to not possess. Do I understand you are offering to sell me this information? That is correct. This is a mercenary transaction. You should be, therefore, familiar with it. Aye, I, I understand. So, what... Can you give... Obviously, you can't tell me the information... Simply tell me the information, then. Can you give me a general idea what it pertains towards? The future of Stagthorn. Okay. Unfortunately, I must remain vague lest uh, the information lose its marketable potential. I see the problem. What's your price? I am seeking three things from your kingdom, none of which are exceptionally valuable monetarily. The first is the defective unit that you address as first. I would like it sent to Pytax to have its flaws corrected. At such a time when I have when it has been suitably corrected, I will return it to you. It will not be harmed in this process if that is a concern to you. Please tell me the others. Secondly, I want Gatekeeper, the blade. It is an interesting piece of value. This information would be more than worthwhile, but I will also compensate you monetarily for its market value. And thirdly? The the girl at the tournament who spotted the cheetah. She has sharp eyes. Yes. And she is in danger. This information I have on Stagthorn's future suggests to me that she will be in danger. My third part of my price is that I will keep her safe. You will turn her over to Pytax. I will offer you any assurances or treaties you seek that she will not be harmed in the process. She will be kept safe. Are you aware that I'm married to her? Yes. This is an openly known fact. Is that of particular concern? She has sired your breed already. And you can find another wife if such becomes necessary for your political ambitions. I... I 
want the information you possess very much. Alas, I am unwilling to part with all three of the items that you have named. I um, believe that you were familiar with the processes of acquiring one a sword-like gatekeeper. I made certain promises in its guardianship. You saw it too, then? I. I'm guessing that you saw me get gatekeeper. I saw you... And I stole a tomb filled with creatures and remnants of the outer guard and Mab's guardian. And I saw you battle your way to get Oberon's... He, he nods as you say this. To, to, uh, eventually through Oberon's guardian. However, that is the item I might under some circumstances willing to be willing to part with. I have advised you already, but I am afraid I must do so again, first as a citizen of my kingdom. Unless he desires to go to Pyatax, I'm not prepared to send him there. That unit is defective. It represents a danger to you and your people, a danger that I am capable of correcting. Nonetheless, and I'm afraid we seem to be receiving a lot of our areas in this office, in this department, but I'm afraid I need bring where she is. And I'm very aware that that places her in danger, but I'm not prepared to send her off for some unspecified period, nor, I think, would you find her prepared to go. Is your cons- We have the capacity to contain her. Is your concern that the girl will be harmed or that you are receiving insufficient value for this trade? We have had many dealings, and I have never lied to you. No, I, um... I may be wrong about this, but I consider you a man of your word. That is a correct assessment. Um, no. I have, uh, sentimental reasons. I realise that may be difficult for you to understand. That is illogical and foolish. Nonetheless, Bryn is likewise a citizen of our kingdom and will not be going to Pytax unless, as she decides, you are welcome to make this offer to her directly, but... Unless she wants to go, she's not going anywhere. If you wish to keep her safe, the logical thing to do would be for you, therefore, to provide aid information to protect her to me. Your logic is flawed. If there is any percentage of this information that um, you would be... I realise I can't meet your price. If there's any percentage of this information you would be prepared to part with for monetary value... I, or, or for something that is a little less precious, I would be very ha- happy to make that deal. He stares at you blankly, almost quizzically, for several moments. Um, I do not understand what I am proposing is logical and in your best interests. Allow me to be perfectly clear. Give me what I have asked for, or your kingdom faces ruin. <clears throat> And, of course, you have seen that yeah. one before. Yeah, that's where I thought this conversation was going. I'm afraid I can't. So be it. And he stalks out. And, and he very, out. Does the death march play over the background? <laughs> uh, he, he will, in fact, you know, do his little goodbye bow relatively politely and then just walks out. Yeah. Uh, and you get his motive check. Yes. On the clockwork king. Certainly use one. <laughs> Oh, that was a good number, too. Uh, that is a... 22. 
So he's thinking about this, obviously. Um, he's thought about this before he's approached you. Um, he seems legitimate in that he thinks what he possesses is of sufficient value to make this trade. But that's only in his head because he doesn't add any of the emotional weight to it. Yeah. Like, he's considering this as the value of a half-elven girl, age blah, of yay fertility, you know, with skills in X, Y, and Z. A defective golem unit with X, Y, and Z skills. A sword with a market value of 18,000 gold pieces. Yeah. Um, He doesn't seem... You're not sure whether it's unwilling or incapable of adding the emotional weight to it. He understands intellectually that Bryn is your wife, and thus she has increased political value to your kingdom. He... But he factored that in in the build in, in, yeah. in, with X, her value was yeah. X killing the he, build points and added that to the equation. That's he seems, all there is to it. He seems unable or unwilling to accept, you know, she's my wife and I love her, so yeah. we're not actually putting a price on that. Yeah. And Kellen didn't even make a particular any particular effort to even make that argument because yeah. he knew he wasn't going to get it. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't seem to follow your point of view at all on that. Like from his point of view, this is a perfectly good deal. Yeah. Take it. You don't want to. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Hmm? Huh? He, he just perceives that you are doing the wrong thing here for yeah. stupid reasons. Yeah. Um, however, uh, the Queen of Forgotten Time warned you that he was a notorious liar. Yes. Um, whether or not he's telling the truth about this, you can't tell. Yeah. The blank clockwork face deflects the rest of your sense motive check. That's fine. Hmm? So yes, that's what you get. Yes. You go find Brim, Michaela, etc., etc. Yep. Here. I just got an offer from Erebeti I thought you should know about. Oh, this should be interesting. Uh, He has intelligence he wanted to sell me about the kingdom. And um, it's imminent peril. Ah, I suppose he couldn't tell you what until you'd made a deal. Uh, I was hoping to at least get a topic, but no. Uh, His price would be... He wants first gatekeeper and protective custody of Bryn. Specify how long for. What? He says you're in danger and he wants to keep you safe. If danger comes for me, I will bite it and shred it. I, I, um, did explain that you weren't. I didn't think Figgy would be interested, love. It's, um,. He's certainly got a knack for um, always asking for something I'm not prepared to part with, and um, he's he's only he's only gotten better at that over time. It would seem. I wonder if he asks because he knows that you won't part with him. This is the way Michaela thinks. It's it's certainly possible, but it's the way he asks. I think he he asks for them because he hasn't gotten over the idea that it would be a logical thing for me to do. He he he. It, it's not... I mean, um, not everybody approves of non-political marriages. I get that. But everybody else I've known who disapproves at least understands intellectually what the appeal is. I, I don't think he does. I don't think he's capable of that anymore. 
I don't think he's not even, he's not only not capable of emotional attachment. I don't think he's capable of understanding that emotional attachment exists in any kind of way where he can comprehend it. Whatever road he's gone down to get that nickname, like I think he's gone pretty far down. Particularly considering I now know that twenty years ago he was a perfectly human young noble aristocrat. At no, not really any different from Tristram or Vaughn at that age. I would guess that he's done something to himself with... Mikhail sort of waves a hand in the air. Magic? Technologies? I'm sure he th- thought it was worth the trade. He wouldn't exactly be the first. I mean, Vordekai didn't start off life as an undead abomination. But uh, I've never thought that kind of thing was worth the price. I'm not certain if... But yeah, that twenty-year-old Aravetti could miss his present-day self. He'd still consider it worth the trade. I must warn you that it's unlikely that we will be able to find out what information he possesses in another way. The Clockwork King keeps his counsel very close to his chest. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's something to do with Niska. We've heard rumours that um, she and her allies might be hiding out in Pytax, and we know she's a threat to the kingdom. Might even be something to do with a mug the Twiceborn. In which case, it certainly poses a threat to our kingdom. Uh, I actually kind of hope it's that. At least we've got some lead on that. He might well know the threat to our kingdom coming from another direction. I'm not by any means about to suggest we should pay him his price, but I merely want you to be aware we are unlikely to obtain the information in another way. And I think it will <coughs> very likely prove vital to the kingdom. But the only one of the three I'm prepared to part with under any circumstances is Gatekeeper, and I'm not precisely happy about that. When um, we want guardianship of that sort, I don't think it was handed over to whatever person asked for it. Let the clockwork king rust. <laughs> we I, keep what is ours. I think we're just going to have to deal with the peril when it comes. I wouldn't say no to advance warning on it, but he didn't see. He's not at all interested in vast sums of money, and I don't think he's prepared to. There might well be something we could offer to him that's of value, but I don't think he's prepared to compromise. Among other things, all three of them is a pretty steep price by any margin. Alright. But, um, I just wanted to, um, warn you, uh, warn you all, and specifically you, love. We already know that someone, uh, someone's trying to kill you, although they haven't really made an attempt since that rather sad assassination attempt way back when. But, um, the clockwork, I've turned the Clockwork King down a couple of times for first now, and I think he's getting a bit tired of me saying no. I wouldn't be at all surprised if at some point we see him make a more direct attempt to seize the things he's interested in. So just keep an eye out for both. If any golems come near me, I will dent their steel and blood what is left of their noses. Just keep a, just keep a sharp ear to the ground. She does, in fact, have a nice golem vein scarab. Yep. She allows her to penetrate the DR of columns. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also, I suspect that Aravetti understands what would happen, what, what Kalen's and Bryn's next response would be if you tried to crack Bryn up for transport. Yes. yes. Uh, he's not a, He'd have to be pretty ballsy to do it right here at the tournament. Yeah. He's not a dim man, but I can't help but feel I'm getting quite close to his boiling point. What he'll do when he boils, I don't know, but sooner or later it's got to occur to him that no matter how many times he asks, Kalen's not going to say, and how good he makes his price, Kalen's not going to say yes. And I don't feel like meekly going away is going to be his next move. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's and that's a wrap on that.
I do really, really, really want that information, and, you know, if he likes some gold points or some money, Caitlin has both of those things, but... Yeah, I mean, you can totally float those to him as an option. Yeah. And he just goes back to, you know, that is insufficient. Yeah. What I wish to negotiate for is X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That's not clear. Yeah, that's what I thought. He's not interested in any compromise on his deal. No. No, he is not. He's not even like, if I was prepared to hand over first and gatekeeper, but not Bryn, he's not interested in some reduction of the deal. Okay. On to the caster's ball. On to the caster's ball. Okay, so, again, um, like the last one, this will be the GM describing a bunch of stuff, and then Tristan going somewhere in here. Yep. Uh, less so, because this one I've been having to do the roles in advance. Yes. But there's more descriptive for it as they're doing. So. Yes. Uh, so, you get to the area where the caster's ball take place, and watching the setup for it is a traditional part of this. Yeah. So you have this setting of, you know, several dozen people in lovely, elegant ball dresses and suits and all this kind of thing. Yeah. Standing round in, what is at this stage, a random blank field with nothing in it but a bit of loose cut grass yeah. and several dozen tents set up around the outside. Pavilion type gazebo tents. Yeah. Kill them! Kill the gazebo! <laughs> and Irabetti stands up and makes another speech. Uh, he is not really given to flowery introductions, yeah. but he gives his best, you know, welcome to the caster's ball type thing. Yeah. We will now prepare the grounds. And he starts pulling out a bunch of scrolls and casting off them one after another. Nice. Um, first of all, he directs everyone to go stand under the pavilions. Well, torrential rain sweeps in. Everybody just stands out there in it. Yeah. Um, and absolutely soaks the area until it is stinking, stinking mud. Yeah. Then the rain goes away. This all happens unnaturally quickly over the course of about ten minutes or so. Yeah. Um, he casts again. The mud smooths itself out yeah. over the top of the grass. Yeah. He casts again, and it turns into completely smooth rock. Yeah. Which he then casts again, which smooths itself out further to its almost mirror polished. Awesome. Um, then he begins casting a string of magical lights that dance and glow and flicker about the place and that sort of thing. And then the the arena is now set up this big wide open mirrored stone field for people to dance upon. Yeah. And over the course of the evening, everybody goes up and dances. Music is being played from Pytex's Academy of Grand Arts. Do um other wizards help her beating with the setting up or because I thought we were we donated um um weed to the to judge to judge this oh right to the judge right Eravetti yep. sets up the place himself yep yeah Eravetti is not permitted to judge it for obvious reasons the kings of their own countries don't judge it yeah citizens of the countries judge it because it's deemed like Kalen's just going to go yeah I want the prize Tristan gets all the points yeah yeah whereas Umberweed is much less likely to do that yeah. You still run the risk he will, but the theory is everyone balances yes, out. That, yeah. Like lopping off the score from the East Belgian judge. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody, beautiful music plays, there are fancy hors d'oeuvres and things. Of the ilk of, it's pretty much in the ilk of escargot and caviar and all this stuff, Caitlin doesn't really care for it anyway. Yeah. Um, 
And Pytex says The first dance will now begin for the rulers of the kingdoms and their respective spouses. And he walks up and just kind of stands there yeah. on the dance floor by himself yeah. and doesn't move. Yeah. He'd look awkward, but you're not sure he's capable of looking awkward. Yeah. Um, the true knight of thorns um, does not stand up and dance with the wriggly man. Yeah. They remain off the dance floor. Yeah. Um, you yourself are obliged to go up there. Yeah. Uh, Timon Maracus is dancing with Eugenia Varadu. Yeah. Um, they are not married in any way, but they are the obvious couple of Dagobah. Yeah. Um, Rasseline goes up and dances with Darvin Jot. Right, yeah. Um, the King of Grolton, Marnius Jalorn, actually appears to have an actual wife yeah. that he goes up and dances with. And, of course, Drelev, Hannah Strelev and Pavaretti Strelev go up and dance. Yeah, I that's awesome. <laughs> They dance wonderfully. Yeah. As if they have been trained from birth in the noble arts of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, dance closely together, rictus-like smiles yeah, on their what, faces. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant. The, um, I'll, I won't go too close and taste of the waves of hatred knocking off my feet. And, of course, you were obliged to go up and dance with Bryn. Yeah, but that's not actually too bad. It's the, it's the party kept... The, the, um, the part that terrified Catelyn was dancing with a woman who was, you know, pursuing him. Yeah. It's, it's not scary when it, it's not as scary when it's Bryn. And? And I kind of see Catelyn as being, you know, kind of an adequate dancer. Like, what he lacks in having tons of noble training, he's picked up a bit over the years, and um, he's got quite a lot of natural grace, plus he's dancing with Bryn, who is kind of a physical goddess. And the music changes to something a little faster and... And um, Irovetti calls out, and now the dance of diplomacy. Change partners. Oh lord. And you, of course, get Pavaretta strewn Drelev, spins in the waltz and dances yep. in your arms, and looks down her nose at you as if you're some slime that she can't quite get off her clothing. Yeah. And she says, and she has the dog with her while she is dancing. Oh, God. It is tucked into a little, clearly custom-built handbag satchel thing that hangs yeah. under her arm. So she's got one arm on your shoulder here. The dog is there. The dog is leaning forward, trying to bite you completely ineffectually. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'll point out, Kalen's in his um, for this party. Kalen's in his royal outfit that he almost never wears. Yeah, not his <laughs> The dog literally, physically can't reach yeah. you. It's strapped into the bag. And zipped up with its head sticking out so it can't escape. <laughs> and Still a bit looking at Pavaretta Strindale looks down at you and she says, Oh, you certainly think this is dancing, don't you? <laughs> Do you wish to engage with her at all? Uh... No, Kaelin just kind of looks at her. Yep. <laughs> at which point, she merely looks down her nose at you, um, and, and finally, the music stops you. Oh, thank goodness, <laughs> it lets you go. Likewise, Kaelin will say in a clearly audible voice. <laughs> and dances off with Raylib, and... I mean, Rasseline was one of the choices, but no, I get permission. <laughs> Ir- Irovetti pulls out his, his wheel again, 
and says, let the first contender come forward. And basically, as this goes on, somebody will come up and do their show. Um, then people will come, everyone at this point will come back out and do dancing, dancing, partying, eating fancy hors d'oeuvres, etc., yeah. etc. And every about half hour or so, Irovidi calls for a break and the next guy comes up and shows yeah. off his magical talent. Cool. So again, we can go in whatever order pleases you. Yeah, so I like the random generation thing, so are yep. there six contenders here? There are indeed. Okay, so shall I roll a d6? By all means. Six. Brynn, incidentally, is keeping an eye out for cheating in this field on the basis that Tristan will probably be the best one yep. spotted and he's competing, but yep. but she's on the dance floor and can keep it. But I'm not even certain what cheating would... I don't think the, we have the magical skills to detect cheating. The likeliest, the likeliest outcome, which is exactly the sort of thing she could look for, would be somebody else casting spells on the caster's behalf. Yeah. So I stand up here and wave my arms and look majestic, and my buddy in the crowd casts the 8th level scroll. Yeah. Hmm? Thus demonstrating us. So the rules for this are: you can't harm the viewers. The effect must be dismissible, so people can keep dancing afterwards. And you can't use magical items to test of your own skill rather than um, anything else. Yep. A display of the caster's own skill, not their budget. Yeah. Uh, and Giravetti clanks his wheel. Everyone steps out, and he says, "Representing the first world, the Bligling Man." Nice. Hmm? And he moves forward, uh, and people who are looking at him get a spot check. Okay. Uh, that would be Tristram and Bryn yeah. as my two active PCs. So Tristram, right, spot isn't the one he's good at, gets a seven. And Bryn gets a number of vast quantity. Uh, 36. Okay. So it is relatively subtle, um, but Bryn sees him walk forward. He's got the big, huge, heavy Jedi hood on, heavy robes, arms up his sleeves, etc., etc. Really hard to make out anything about him, but when he moves, his robe just kind of flows forward, and Bryn is pretty sure that he doesn't walk. He doesn't go foot, 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 foot. It's, he's definitely not a human being under there, yeah. or really anything other than an entity that is vaguely human-shaped. He clearly has arms and legs, but he slithers forward. Yeah. Good to know. And he moves out, keeps his hands up his sleeves, stands in the middle of the thing. Um, this is not a strictly timed event. It's pretty much they roll out, they go for as long as they want, they stop. The, because it's based on speculative judging, yeah. quantitative, ju- qualitative judging rather than quantitative judging. Yeah. The penalty for going for half an hour is you'll end up boring people with that. And he just stands there for a moment, and from everyone's perspective, he does nothing whatsoever. He does not move his arms, he does not pull them out, he does not wave them, he does not intone magical words. Nothing of the sort happens. He just starts to move his arms slightly, and suddenly, in front of him, there are a bunch of angelic figures. Um, Caleb would, <coughs> even not knowing what they are, recognize them as some sort of extraplanar angel-type things. They are beautiful men and women with a sort of grey, almost stone-like sheen to their skin, 
big feathered wings, that sort of thing. They look angelic and lovely, and they are on fire because they suddenly appear at the exact same time that a gigantic cloud of burning smoke, ash, and flame appears, and they scream and writhe horribly. (laughs) And after about 10, 20 seconds of this, the whole thing disappears again without the wriggling man apparently doing anything. So he moves up, he stands there, then suddenly, foof, angels in a giant cloud of fire, screaming, horrible, burning pain, everyone goes, what the fuck is that? And then they're all gone again. And he walks off the stage. And people, there's a pause and then some... Kaylin doesn't clap. Very slow clapping from several people. And he doesn't look happy. (laughs) Uh, And Tristan can actually make a knowledge of the planes check. Okay, that's a 23. Uh, and a spellcraft check, if you want. Yep, we'll get in practice. Uh, that's an 18. He's um, saving his good so, roll. Tristan looks at this, sort of leans over the calendar, and says, Ah, oh, you. Ah, I don't know quite how he did that, but um, those are those were astral divas. They're uh, summoned entities of, of pure good from the outer planes. You, you shouldn't worry, they're not real, per se. They're merely summoned reflections of them. Think of them as dreams or shadows. Aye. But they, they appear in our world for a very limited array of time. And they're really on the other plane, yeah? That's why if you send a summoned creature into danger and it gets killed, you don't have to, have to worry for it. Correct. I don't know much about summoning, but I know that much. But he still summoned them and then he set them on fire, yeah? Yes, very rapidly, too. That was very disturbing. Aye, um, it's quite the display of magical power, but I don't know if he entirely understood the point was meant to do something cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the judges are sort of over in the corner confer and several numbers come up for this. Uh, so basically the way this works, I think I told you this earlier, but I will remind you now. Yeah, that would be good. Um, you make a spellcraft check to judge how impressive your result is, then it yeah. gets divided and rounded down, etc., etc. Uh, then you get another skill check to enhance your results, something else that you're doing that makes it majestic, yeah. like performance or acrobatics or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, he steps up, the judges confer, up come some of the numbers... Everybody seems to be very impressed by the level of magical skill. He has very good spellcraft. All the judges seem to be disturbed by the content of his presentation, uh, which is actually penalizing his spellcraft role. Uh, And he doesn't do anything else. He makes no extra checks. Yeah, yeah. The judges award the Wriggling Man 2.7. Yeah. It's not a score out of things, but five would be ridiculously exceptional. Yeah. So that's actually decent. Yeah. So um, what I'd like to do is roll for one more performance and then have Tristram go on the basis that I don't want him to be third every time. Yep. That seems odd. Fair enough. So I'll just sort of pick a number for him to be that isn't the same every time on the basis that that's vaguely yep. more random. And people go back in and dance. Yeah. Notably staying a little clearer of the area. There's no yep. sign of burning or dead angels or anything. But... Yeah. Um, do I get to dance with Brynigan? You get to dance with whoever you choose at this point. It's Brynigan. Yep. That was horrible. <sighs> what was he thinking? Why would anyone want to see that? It certainly says something troubling about what he's got going on, doesn't it? 
He smells bad. I, I'm starting to really dislike those two. Oh, wait, she can tweak this instantly. I forgot she has seen now. Yes. <laughs> he smells like old earth and worms. He is no man, he wriggles. A worm that walks. Yeah, I was afraid of something like that. Good spotting. Let's, uh, let's stay on the other side of the dance floor. She can literally smell this, because he uh, probably could disguise his smell if he thought about it, yeah. but is clearly not doing so. She thinks he is a man literally made of worms. Ew. Yeah. Thank you for wearing the, thank you for wearing the robe and the hood. Yeah. I can show you his picture if she Please don't. But... <laughs> uh, I get a one on the D6 for the next performance. Representing Pytax and the Church of Sarenrai, Ponfa Sutan. Uh, and a little halfling comes forward. Um, and it, this is a halfling man marked with the holy markings of Sarenrae. He's wearing robes for this presentation. Big, fancy, elaborate ones, and the holy symbol of the sun around his neck. The Dawnflower, which Caitlin would probably recognise. Um, and he has an associate off to the side <coughs> who is wheeling in a wheelbarrow full of what appear to be red-hot coals. And Ponfar stands up and and now I shall demonstrate the amazing power of the Firewalker's meditation. Though I walk in flame, my goddess will not see me harmed. You may ooh and ah, ladies and gentlemen, but fear not for my safety. But do not try this at home. And waves his arms and a large floating metallic looking disc appears next to his associate who kind of tips the hot coal on top of it. Ponfar with elaborate gestures floats them out across to the middle of the stone where the disc tips and dumps it in sort of this bed of hot burning coals and then he begins to walk across them balancing on the burning hot coals Looks very elaborate, but it doesn't seem to be burning him in any way. He's making little hot, hot, so hot and so dangerous gestures, but his feet are clearly not catching fire, nor is there a smell of seared flesh or anything like that. Um, in the end, he, as he gets to the end, he sees that he's losing the crowd a little. This is... It's interesting, but it's not visually very impressive. Yeah. He picks up a couple of the live coals and starts juggling them in the air. Yeah. Actually, a reasonably proficient juggler gets them, seven or eight of them going at the same time, and then proceeds to drop a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah, catches the rest, smiles like it's all part of the act, and moves off. And the crowd applauds a lot more enthusiastically than yeah. perhaps the performance deserved, but at least he wasn't setting angels, angels on fire. fire. Yeah, I think we're all relieved. Uh, he does a spellcraft check, he adds to it with a sleight of hand check. Um, the judges confer and give him 2.2 points. Ah. I don't need to write this down. I have it all written down in here. Yep. And that is Pytax's effort. Yes. Not so magically impressive, but, you know, no, no dead angels. We're all, we're all in favour. All right. And then um, this time I think Kaylin will dance with Michaela if she's interested. By all means. There's only one waltz. do 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 
I'm happy to play these out or just, you know, you dance with a bunch of people. Uh, it, 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 I don't have any particular things I want to do with the dancing, yep. per se. No problem. So, on to Tristan? Yes. So, um, I don't know how you want to handle this. I'm looking for him to use a performority or a check to enhance his yes. um, spellcraft. Yep. As he announces it in such a way that it sounds much... It yeah. sounds so even, what you're doing is you're welcome to make the rolls before you uh, announce your presentation, or you're welcome to make the rolls after, which is what best pleases you. Yeah. By the way, it's purely... Mechanically, it's purely about the spellcraft and the other check. Yeah. So um, what I'm looking for here is Tristram makes a speech about just how awesome his speed and um, his speed and startling horsemanship are, yeah. and he actually makes reference to the fact that this... Um, Tomorrow we will hear the tale of how he used these his feats to single-handedly defeat an owlbear, yep. because he's actually foreshadowing the boasting challenge as well, because he's using similar skills for both. Yep. I don't actually want to make that speech in character, because okay. I, I, I struggle to do Tristram's voice. That's, that's fine. So, Tristram Thorn of Stagthorn. Tristram comes forward. Ladies and gentlemen, today I will be showing you a spectacular display of the variability of the summoning and conjuration schools of blah 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 Yep. By all means. So, would you like to describe what he is doing? Yes. So, um, what he be- he begins with his big dramatic speech, and then he um moves off down to the very far end of the stadium. Yep. Where he um conjures a- conjures a magic horse, um, and um. Um, gets upon it and with a sonic boom is instantly at the other end of the stadium. <laughs> um, so I think he'll probably have done a bunch of the conjuration because it's a ten minute casting time yes. in advance yes. so that he can just set it, essentially charge the spell so he can just set yep, it yep. off. Um, so he um, moves, the, I think he will probably actually do the speech well, as he as Yeah, he what he does is he, he starts making the gestures and yeah. casting and then fills ten minutes with speechifying. Yeah. And um, as he as he speaks towards the end, he gets down to the end and then he will with a giant boom he's at the other, he rides the horse down to the other end of the stadium. And, 120 yep. feet, one round. Yep, and you wrote this down, what he was doing, didn't you? Yeah. Spells-wise. Yeah, so he's using... Um... So I'm sure this will interest our mm-hmm. audience to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, he's using Sonic Boom, Phantom Steed, and Haste. So he actually... Um, he um, will probably... Um, he casts Phantom Speed, he casts Haste, he gets on the horse incredibly quickly, he rides down to the other... He, he casts the sonic boom, and the, the yeah. boom hits as he gallops down the other end incredibly quickly. And then I think he'll have had someone set him up a target on the other yep, end, and can he... easily do this. He fires, like... And he uses, um, Haste, Rapid Shot, Full Attack, and fires, like, <laughs> ten <laughs> arrows <laughs> into the target in one round. Yes, into something like a big pot or a set of bells that's yeah. nice and noisy. And yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Alright. Because he wants to, you know, show the world what he can actually do with archery if people will just yep. give him a challenge, and, which is more to his speed. And what a horse that moves at what's now 250 foot around or yeah, something like that. Yeah, if he could conjure some water, he would totally put water in front of it so he could ride the horse over water, but yep. unfortunately he doesn't have any water-based casting yep. abilities. Okay. <laughs> if he had a cliff wall, he would ride up it. <laughs> if, he, if the horse was far enough advanced that it could 
do that yet. And Tristan then needs to make a spellcraft check. Yep. Followed by a perform oratorium check. Yep. And the spellcraft is the... Well, actually, they're both important, so... Spellcraft. Oh, that's a nice number. Uh, so that is a thirty. <laughs> oh, that's that's better than um, what some people have thought. But uh, yeah, well, the um, he just rolled a fourteen. He's got sixteen spellcraft. What I see here is um, Tristran is a sh- is a gifted showman. Yeah, like, he's not actually a particularly gifted magician, but he's both very scholarly into the. Yeah, and he knows a lot about magic, and he also knows a lot about nobility and public demonstrations and. Putting on a show. It's, it's less a test of can you use sufficiently high level magic, and more a test of can you use it well in an interesting fashion. Yeah. Like what the Wriggling Man got his points for, pretty much. That was impressive, magically speaking. Those were some good high level spells, and you you did them well, but they were horrible. Yeah. Yeah, both they were horrible, and it wasn't much of a show yeah. per se. I mean, yeah. that was a really odd combination of yeah, spells. Yeah, Tristan's magic is not so inherently mighty itself, but what he's got, he uses well. Yes. Okay, and then perform oratory. Uh, that is less good. He gets a nineteen. That is uh, that. That one's a flat DC, which yep. you hit. Sweet. So you get your success point for that. Yeah. What I see there is um, Tristram actually delivers a very entertaining performance. But ten minutes is a long time to fill, and there's no denying some bits are a bit too scholarly. Uh, yeah, it's slow at the start where he talks for a bit, and, you know, he's a very gifted orator. The crowd follows, and the crowd is starting to flag a little as he gets to the end. Ten minutes is a long time to talk about magic and the theorems behind it in a way that will interest a large audience of nobles. Yeah. But then he gets on the horse. Yeah. And this is definitely a group that appreciates good horsemanship. Yeah. It's a thing the River Kingdoms is founded on. Yeah. The joust is the famous event. And people applaud wildly as the horse goes, Vroom! Sonic boom. Vroom! Sonic boom. Vroom! Sonic boom. Uh, and the judges confer on this. There's a lot of conferring, a lot of talking and things. And the assessment comes back that, you know, well, any individual spell in there may not be so terribly impressive. Everyone is impressed by Tristan's ability to combine them into a commanding performance, demonstrating, you know, beauty, grace, speed, all in one pile. Uh, Tristan's score is 4.0. Oh, sweet! Knocking everyone else out of the water. Yes! And the crowd applauds very enthusiastically for that. That is a good high score. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. More dancing? Yep. Uh, at this point. Svetlana. Svetlana? Let's start. And then the next dance will be back to Bryn. Uh, you'll actually get requests oh. in here as well. From okay. uh, both Eugenia and Rasselin. Okay, actually, yeah, no, then, then Eugenia. Uh, whichever one of those asks me to dance first, I will dance with both of those fine ladies. Alright, and. Next one. And I'm. Uh, Notably not stand there like a stick, not even talking to them. Uh, several women approach Tristan after his performance. Sweet. To dance with him and talk to him and all this sort of thing. Sweet. I'm hoping for his sake that there's at least one, you know, lady who wants to talk to him about spell theory after what he was getting into towards the end and he started to... Because I see Tristram as, in no circumstances, did he have trouble filling ten minutes, but it started to get a bit too technical for the majority of his audience towards the end. Okay. Next one. Yes. Give me a one, two, three, four. A D four will do it this one. Yep. Um, D eight 
divided by two pleases you? Two. Ah, that would be Grolton. Okay. Erasmus Quidalian of Grol- of the Grolton College of Bards. Nice, another bard. Um, and he steps forward and he is a very um, classic rock starry bard. He has long blonde hair down to just about his backside. Um, and this big fancy leather jacket thing on. And he steps forward making yeah gestures yeah. to the crowd who sort of applaud a bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is, Ladies and gentlemen, today you will see me, Eremus Quidillion, call forth a beautiful lady of the Fae to dance with me. These are the woods of the River Kingdoms. And thus I will call forth the Fae who is most strongly in this area to dance and demonstrate my incredible skill. Prepare yourselves. Uh, and he begins to cast something. This looks like a vaguely more ritual casting thing. He draws a bunch of arcane diagrams and chalk on the floor and starts singing. And he sings about how much he longs for a beautiful lady of the Fae to come forward and enchant his heart and lighten his feet and blah, blah, blah. Um, and boy, is he going to get an answer to this. Uh, Tristan makes a quick spellcraft check here. <laughs> yep. That would be a 27. So Tristan's, you know, watching this heavily. Oh, a, a, a fey enticing spell. Oh, that, that should be most interesting to watch. He gets it up and says, oh, well, it, he's talking to Caelan here. He says, oh, I, I'm guess, I guess that he's going to summon whatever fey is closest to, whatever fey is closest to this area. Not so much physically speaking as the one that's most tied to anything here or any one here. Oh, um, there's a very good possibility that he's going to summon Marissa to the middle of this dance floor. Oh. She's the fae closest to here. Ah, okay. Emotively Uh, speaking. Is that going to be bad? I shouldn't think so, but I don't imagine it's what he's expecting. Well, I guess you shouldn't shouldn't ask for things if you're not prepared to get them. (laughs) And as he, he draws the circle, he goes, Come forth, beautiful lady of the Fae, Dryad or Nixie, or whomever walks closest to these lands. I call you here in the flesh. Answer my call to dance. And there is a sudden push behind Caelan, as suddenly there behind you, literally right at your back, breathing down your neck, Narissa is just standing there where she wasn't a moment ago and people who are behind Kaylin openly just see her appear and people sort of back up a few steps and go, oh, ah. She does not appear with any drama or flash, she just is. Mm-hmm. And she puts a hand on Kaylin, sort of slides him slightly out of the way. And Kaylin will move back at once. And walks forward, you know, the, the sort of green, green, slightly green skin, the beautiful elvish look upon her. She is undeniably gorgeous and has appeared in a ball gown. Yeah. Um, and 
Erasmus sort of, haha, yes, this is what I was expecting all along. Smile, smile. Yeah. Eyes shift, eyes shift. Uh, and you and your watcher, who are closest, uh, Bryn and Tristan both get a sense motive check. Okay, yeah, I think Tristram gets a one. Yep. He's just really excited to see her. <sighs> This is going to be so awesome. Yeah, Trist- I think Tristram's having spell envy right now. He wishes he could... He's not necessarily... He wishes he could be doing up there doing that. Bryn gets a 15. Yeah. Emotional motivations in the Fae, not really a 14. Not yeah. like spotting people cheating at archery. This is definitely causing some consternation amongst... Pe- people are pointing, you know, this was not necessarily the expected outcome. Uh, she can clearly pick up Erasmus, wasn't expecting this, but given he's live on stage, he's just kind of got to go with what he's got. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she steps forward, and Erasmus sort of bows to her. If there are any other more subtle interactions going on amongst the crowd or anything, Bryn does not pick them up. Yeah. And in the general consternation, Erasmus bows to her, ah, my lady, may I have your name? And this dance, if the magicians would care to strike up. And she looks at him. She says, I am the queen of forgotten... I am known to some as the queen of forgotten time. And it has been a long, long time since I have been summoned to this world. Does Erasmus wince at this? Slightly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You wish a dance. I will give you a dance. Ooh. And she takes his hand, and the musicians strike up a waltz, and the two of them move off and begin a beautiful dance around the dance floor. And they dance, you know, fast, really fast, and really well. Yeah. Um, he's actually pretty good at this. She is superlatively good at it. And the two of them dance themselves into a blur and then disappear. Ooh. And there's a few moments of silence in the crowd and, yeah! <laughs> More enthusiastic clapping for this because they sort of assume it's part of the show. Yeah. Several people don't, several people do. Yeah. The judges confer and, you know, uh, should Erasmus reappear for his score or not? Uh, we we give him a two point one. Huh? Uh, it is clear from the judges' take that well, he can dance. He can definitely dance. Um, that was so not what he was going for. Yeah, enough to, doesn't count as a particularly successful spell. Um, Kaelin is going to um, actually briefly absent himself from the next dance yeah. and um, go out to a quiet corner of the um, go off uh, off by himself a bit and um, endeavour to commune with Narissa. Okay, uh, you endeavour to you endeavour to speak with her, um, and what you get is a voice. Um, And what what you hear is her voice rather than her appearing, and you can hear the waltz still going on. It's clearly being played played by different instruments at this point, yeah. different people. But wherever she is, she's still dancing, and you can vaguely hear, essentially in the background of the call, the sort of 
slightly petting yeah. voice of Rasmus. Kaylin. I... That was unexpected. I am. I'm sorry you were disturbed. I, I... It is not your doing. It is his. I am... Um, uh, just... Uh, wanted to... He will be coming back in time? Alive? <laughs> I am not a plaything to be summoned by mortal kind to dance for their amusement. Not Nay. after what I have given to them. Nay, I... This stripling is ter- tampering with forces he does not control. I, I understand that he is, and I understand that there's a price to be paid for such. However, you wish him to be returned? It would... I would appreciate that, if you were prepared to. Very well. After the dance. End communication? Yes. Um, Caitlin's trying to walk a fine line here, because actually, you know... This is something that he really shouldn't have done. And, you know, if he didn't have control of spells specifically to make certain that that sort of thing wouldn't happen, he should have. Okay. Next one? Yep. So, um, Kaelin returns too late to claim a dance yep. with anyone and just stands out on the, the edge of the field for that one. D3. Yes. It makes a strewn of Fort Draylev. Ah, yes. I believe I have a picture of this gentleman in here, if you desire to see And he's our, he's our first real wizard, unless you count Worm Guy. He's your first real wizard. Uh, there we are. Emeka Strun. Wow, he looks awesome. Yeah, he looks a little young to be the classic old stereotypical wizard, but otherwise looks pretty good for it. He's got the yeah. beard, the long hair, um, nice robes on here, a lot of jewellery, that sort of thing. And... Ladies and gentlemen, good people of the River Kingdoms, you have seen many fascinating demonstrations tonight. Magic can, of course, do anything. That's the point of it being magic. When it is properly controlled. (laughs) For tonight, the purpose of my magic is to give you a show, and I will give you a show Let me show you the form of the dragon. Mm-hmm. And he begins to shift and to change. Um, and as far as you can see, he turns into a large bronze dragon. Wow. You know, the head comes out, rawr, the wings flap, and he flies up um, and flies into the sky and basically starts launching out a bunch of bolts of electricity and things. Um, and then he will land, flicker back into a human, effectively throw a fireball up into the air where it goes boom harmlessly above everyone. 
turns back into a dragon endeavors to fly out through the fire that he's creating. Lands does the same thing with lightning. Lands does the same thing with some kind of acidic cloud. Um, awesome. It's it's an interesting and unique demonstration of magic. Unfortunately, he never quite hit what he's hits what he's going for because he's not fast enough when it comes to the flying. Mm. He never. It looks like what he's aiming to do is burst spectacularly through the fire and come out unharmed thanks to his mighty magical protections. But because his speed is off, he flies towards the fire, which dissipates and disappears altogether before he hits it. He tries the same thing with lightning, doesn't quite get it again. The same thing with the acid, doesn't quite get it again. Nonetheless, he turned to a dragon, and the crowd is yeah. impressed by this. Yes, that's um, sans for Tristram. That's Caelan's most enthusiastic applause yet. Because um, two out of those, every, pretty much everyone but Tristram, Caelan, everyone but Tristram and the Cleric of Serenray, Caelan didn't applaud flat out. Um, and the assessment that people take away seems to be that he might have been holding back a little there, maybe um, less inclined to throw all of his arcane might in there, having just seen what happened to the last guy. Yeah. Which might account for his lack of um, yeah. his lack of control over it as he's deliberately trying to not exceed his reach. Yeah. Uh, so they're not overly impressed with his flying. He misses his bonus point there. Mm-hmm. Um, and gains a grand total of 2.1. Wow, the um, the gap between Tristram and the other guys is, is pretty profound. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is making me feel better, because, you know, the archery, we did well, but we, we, we didn't place, whereas we might not take this, but no one else is even close thus far. Uh, as he finishes. Yes. More dancing. Next yes. person. So um, I will dance with Rasseline this time. Yep. And uh, w- wouldn't mind having a little bit of a conversation as the as the dance. <sighs> it's certainly been an interesting night. I understand you qualified for the joust. I look forward to seeing you out there. I'm pretty excited. I've got to say, I've um, you know, done a few. Uh, I- I've never been part of a formal jousting tournament before. I have a few times. Although, to be honest, I was counting on winning on the sword play on the ground rather than on horseback. <laughs> Without that to fall back on. Hey, um, I'm not at all certain... I, um, had some good... I had some good fortune in the first few bouts. I'm not at all certain if we clashed again, you couldn't take me. Well, we'll see what we see on the field. Aye. Where all, things, all such things are truly decided. <laughs> The, um, it'll certainly be interesting to see what some of the other competitors bring to the table as well. I'm um, not certain about this um, Iron Juggernaut, and I don't know if the Knight of Thorns has gotten better since the last time I jousted with him, but he was a good opponent back then. Your brother is very impressive. Ah, he is. He's, um, I'm gl- glad he um, used archery. He's a, he's a much better mounted archer archer than he is on than he is on foot. But um, he got to show off a few more of his talents tonight. He's very pleased. And the music sort of ends that one. She says, and she smiles at you. Let's go off the dance. And she says, if you'll if you'll excuse me, Lord Tristan. Oh, nice. Takes him up for the next dance. Yeah. Okay. And she's morning. not married, is she? Is she is not married. No. Um, she is uh, bordering on 
it, bordering on remarkably old to be unmarried, by which I mean she's in her mid-30s to early 40s. Yeah, which is unusual for a, so she, unusual for a queen or king. She's definitely not, not out of the age where she could sire an heir yet, but she is approaching that. Yeah. Um, yes, of course, her, her mistress, of course, is the sword. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Vine could do worse. Uh, D2. I'm looking forward to seeing what Mervon brings to the table. One. Dagamark. Yep. Eugenio yep. Maradou. Oh, sweet. Or Dagamark. Hopefully manage something a bit better than the archer. And then, ooh, Eugenia. And I know she's good at, she's got to be good at fighting. She can cast as well. That lady just brings everything so, to the table. Uh, the little old lady on her, you know, walks slightly shakily forward on her stick, kneels down at the stone, and she's in a sort of quite slightly quavering voice. You know, I have always rather enjoyed gardening. Watching something grow beautifully at your own hands. The problem is, it's rather too slow. As my colleague Mechus says, magic, however, can accomplish some remarkable things with a seed of beginning. And puts a hand on the stone. And the stone appears to crack briefly, and she slips something the size of a very large seed about yay big, so obviously visible to the crowd, into the stone where it begins to blossom and into an enormous rose bush each of those roses this all happens in the space of two minutes for the entire performance start to finish, the enormous rose bush grows, each blossom opens and what appear to be little pixies come flying out of it, all the colours of the rainbow, flying rapidly around themselves. They launch themselves into the sky in a bunch of elaborate, synchronised patterns, sweep into a huge rainbow, sweep round, all break up, then hit each other at the centre of the rainbow, go boom in an explosion of light. Um, And then a very large, angelic figure appears above the rainbow and booms out, Peace and fruitfulness be upon you and all your kingdoms. And flies off into the sky majestically. Um, this is all very pretty. Yeah. And also very complicated. Um, yeah. People have a little trouble tracking what's going on. And the problem is that she is struggling to keep up this many things at once. And there are a lot of people viewing... Kalen wouldn't realise this immediately. He doesn't see any problem with, like, the plant or the rose bush. When some of the pixies fly close to your face, you realise you can see through them. They are only illusory. This this entire performance is being done via a string of illusions that she is casting. That doesn't make it any less pretty, but it does make it an obvious illusion. Yeah. And the fact that many of the crowd are seeing through the illusion which they shouldn't be able to do if she's doing the magic sufficiently well yeah. is going to cost her. Um, Which is a shame, because it sounds amazing to look at. It is amazing to look at, but in the... You're very painfully aware that what you're watching here is like a TV show. Yeah. You know, it's it's the difference between... Uh, what's the difference between is if you've ever seen a magician live on stage versus watching one on TV. Whenever you're watching it on TV, you just have that obvious, ah, you know, 
Like, obviously, they're faking it between camera cuts. Yeah. Whereas the on-stage live exhibit is much more dramatic. Because you know they're not. Yeah. Or, and like, the difference between good CG and bad CG. Yeah. With bad CG, you can sort of... Or maybe, like, really dramatic-looking CG, which just doesn't look entirely real. Yeah. It looks cool, but you know what you're looking at is definitely fake. So, it's a bit busy. It's obviously illusory. And while she attempts to sort of do what Tristan did and talk the crowd round on how cool this is that she's growing her her garden of magic, she loses the point a couple of times. She is not a very good performer as a whole. Yeah. Um, people applaud politely, but um, nobody is overly impressed by this. A total of 1.6. Ooh. Uh, she rolled natural ones on both her spellcraft and her perform check. Oh, poor thing. Yeah, it's 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 a shame. It's a neat concept. Yes, it sounds like she. she did yes, it. I have the concepts here that that this um, lovely fellow on the Paizo forums wrote up for me, and then um, it, then I sat there and rolled their checks, <laughs> and, and she got one and one. Oh, I'm really sad. <laughs> that sounds like it was going to be epic. Yeah, she's happy nonetheless. Yeah. All right, and um. Kaylin will ask her to dance immediately after the performance. By all means, young man. And, um, we'll congratulate her on how great he thought it was, because it did look impressive. Unfortunately, I haven't your brother's sense of show, and I should have accounted for too many audiences, too too large an audience will invariably see through the illusion. Oh, well, something different for next year. I, you can only... Any given competition, you can only do as well as you can do on the day. In any case, this was never going to be my best event. I prefer something a little more. Well, she sort of looks you up and down. Would I be correct in assuming you'll be entering the log chopping? Aye. I'll see you there then, she says to little old frail woman. Yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to it. <laughs> okay. And the last one up. Yes. Um, Rasseline applauds enthusiastically when Hiriam Velocitor... Wizard of Mivon steps up. That's a great name. Um, he is an older gentleman dressed in a very drab-looking, basically, business suit-type dealie. He looks like a professor from the 1940s. He has on little spectacles on his nose. and Ouch. Just had, just had a moment as you described him as an older man. Suddenly occurred to me, I wonder what Magister Pedro would have done if he'd been given the opportunity to compete. Mm-hmm. Well, Varnhold's never been invited. So. No, but, you know, if the things had kept going, they might have built up the kingdom to this point. I certainly yeah. missed them being there. Uh, Tristan can make a quick uh, spellcraft check here. Yep. Uh, is, I'm really appreciating his spellcraft. That's 21. Okay, so... Hiram steps up, and he says... <coughs> Excuse me. Gets a little glass of water and drinks it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming out on this beautiful starlit evening to assess mine and my colleagues' display of demonstrative magical skill. Uh, and he goes over and wheels out a literal blackboard with some chalk on wheels. And you're going to wish Tristram was one of the judges for this album. Today, I will be I will be explaining. Mechatim's theorem of relative movement. That is to say, how one can appear to increase one's movement speed without actually doing so. You see it as in the eye of the beholder in which this theoretical quantum concept takes place. And he begins to draw a bunch of diagrams on the thing, on, 
the blackboard and starts explaining some, to Caelan's point of view, both kind of not quite comprehensible and incredibly dry arcane concept. Caelan's yeah. sort of looking at this and going, what the hell sort of show is this? Okay. And and Tristan watches this in confusion for about half a minute, then looks at it with big eyes, goes, and bursts out laughing yeah. as, he, as he works out what's happening here. And Caleb looks over like Tristan goes, no, 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 just keep watching, you know. You'll like this one. You really, I'm sure you will. Alright, and Caleb, who had initially gone on to the happy place, he enters whenever Tristram starts to say something that's crossed his threshold of complexity and he's never going to get it, um, sits up and pays more attention. Uh, and Caleb actually make a will save here. Ooh. He's not it's not madly relevant. Anymore. No, that's it. Yeah, here he is. Uh, 20. Yeah. So, Caitlin, you're watching this. You're sort of wondering what the hell the point is. There doesn't seem to be much happening here. Um, this guy is drawing a bunch of endless symbols on the board. He is explaining this lengthy, dr- very dry, arcane concept. This shouldn't be funny, but... But something about it is just really tickling Kalen's funny bone. The more you look at what he's doing, the more you want to just literally roll around on the floor laughing your ass off. You will actually be able to recognize this is a compulsion being put on you. You don't have to go with it. You have succeeded at the will save. Or you can fail it and start laughing uproariously, which is what much of the crowd appears to be doing. No, um, Kalen's going to fail the will save. Kalen's going to succeed in the will save. However, he will laugh at what's being done. He um, will laugh somewhat naturally at what's being done here. By five minutes in, a good three quarters of the crowd is literally rolling around on the ground, smacking their fists on the ground hysterically and just roaring, laughing uproariously. Um, and Hiram explains this all this in this now you recognize to be completely sarcastic, dry tone, he explains this all. And, oh, and, and that is how you will see that these symbols come together to form the symbol of laughter, one of the most amusing things about magic. I uh, was this concept a little dry, perhaps what you need is something hilarious. And he takes out a cream pie and very slowly goes... <laughs> and puts it in his face, and it drips down his face, and the, the whole which audience... Point, at which point, Caelan voluntarily fails his will save and begins laughing uproariously. And the whole audience bursts out laughing. Um, and the judges, over this, Rasseline looks very satisfied. And the judges come back and say, you know, for an excellent use of, of an otherwise dry spell, you know, excellent presentation, excellent understanding of how a symbol of laughter works, etc., etc., they award him a 3.7. Oh, yes! Um, they, as far as the judges are concerned, his grasp of magical theory is superb, as if he has, like, skill-focused spellcraft and all this kind of crap. Yeah. Um, and... His presentation turned out pretty well as well. (laughs) Then the judges step off, um, and... The last dance of the evening, please take your partners... Then we will announce the, then we will announce the winners, even though it's transparently obvious yeah. who's won to be on who's been following the points. That's fine. And everybody gets up and dances. Yeah, I, I, I will dance with Brent again. And at the end of the dance, there is a loud thud noise as Erasmus Quindillion falls onto the dance floor out of a slight rip in reality. Yeah. And goes thud and lies on the floor going. <sighs> 
he looks dehydrated um, and very, very, very out of puff. He certainly doesn't look like he's dying or withered or anything of that sort. But it looks like he has been dancing at top speed for about the last three hours worth of this with no breaks of any kind at superhumanly fast speeds. Yeah. He just kind of lies and goes... (laughs) Which kingdom was he from again? Grolton. Right. Um... Kaelin will actually, um, uh, you know, uh, apologize to Bryn, um, go over, give him a boost up, and escort him back to the side of the field where um, yeah. Galton is and get him a little drink of wine. Marius Chalorn looks at this and he says, This is disgraceful and unacceptable. Rest assured, Galton will be declaring war upon the First World immediately. And uh, Kaelin will say in, in a quiet voice to him as he passes, think that'll work out about as well as the dance did. <laughs> and then he will actually sit, um, sit, what's his name? Um, Erasmus? Uh, sit Erasmus down a little ways off from the party. Dance forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm never casting that spell ever again. I think that might be wise. You've had a lucky escape, lad. Don't cross the face. Particularly not the powerful ones. Just bear it in mind for the future, yeah? Who the hell was that? She calls herself Nerissa these days. Believe you might have heard of her by the name Titania. Tink drops the glass to the ground, goes white and faints. (laughs) (laughs) And Kaelin will leave and return to the dance floor. Because as, as Tristan will explain this afterwards, what the spell does is it's compelling a fae to appear and do what you want. Yeah. You know, your odds of actually binding Titania to do that sort of thing are probably not very good. Yeah. But I suspect she turned up anyway because she wanted to teach him a lesson. <laughs> and I think he's learned a valuable lesson. Uh, and you will actually see Marnius Talorn goes over and starts swearing and cursing at the true knight of thorns and threatening him with this, that, and the other thing. And the true I thought just like blows it off. Uh, yeah. Completely. Certainly. We accept your declaration of war. <laughs> Bring it on, the Wiggly Man leans forward. Shall I destroy them? Not right now. Well, it's too long, sort of looks at the two of them. This is not how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Backs up, we will get you! Yeah. Among other things, he's probably deeply unthreatened by the fact that, you know, the First World is in another plane of existence. Yeah. Grotten actually physically can't move its armies there, which yeah. makes it less than terrifying. Yeah, but uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised to discover that um, Grotten suffers more than the usual rate of fey damage over the next couple of years. And Irovetti calls it at the end of the dance, thanks everyone for coming, and awards based on the judge's call. First place of Stagthorn, Sir Tristan Thorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gives Stagthorn three points. Yes. Uh, the second place is Mivon at three point seven, uh, earning them two points. Yes. And there were a lot of close competitors. Who actually gets third? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the Wiggly Man. Um, 2.1, 2.1, 6. Yes, it is indeed the Wriggling Man. Thank you. 
the first just, world picks up another point. Yeah, I'm just satisfied. I, I wouldn't be heartbroken if they do well, but I'm just satisfied given how well they're doing and that that got any points at all. Well, the thing is, his magic was awesome. Yeah. His spellcraft check is really high, even despite the penalties he's taking. Yeah. Yeah, well, it must have been, because he, he's the only one who didn't even make a second check. I'd have given it to him. I'd have given it to her. Uh, no, that's not true, actually. Uh, Harum Velocida didn't. Ah, right. He relied purely on his control of magical theory. Wow, and he got a spellcraft check that was so high he got a second? Yes. Wow. <laughs> uh, and he has magical aptitude, skill-focused spellcraft, yep. maxed ranks in it, etc., etc., and rolled a 17. Yeah. Oh, sorry, a knowledge arcana is the skill that he's using. Oh, uh, right. performance. Yeah, that makes sense. So he is making a yes. second check. Yes, he is indeed. <laughs> That's hilarious. Spellcraft amplified by knowledge arcana. <laughs> well, it fit with the concept. No, it's it brilliant. Okay, and that is the caster's ball. Yes, so Kellen will go up and clap Tristram on the back and congratulate him. And um, tell him how good he thought it was and stuff. Um, and says, yes, uh, people rather seem to enjoy that. I, I wouldn't have thought the strength of my spells would be able to keep up, but I suppose it's all about the showmanship more than the magic itself. And the, um, you're good at that, and you're clearly good at that sort of thing. There was a bit of a gap between those that were good at that sort of thing and those that weren't. And those that just didn't understand that there are some things you don't want to see. That set some angels on fire. <laughs> but I had a, a, I had a chat to that, um, fellow that summoned Narissa, and I think he's learned a valuable lesson and won't do that sort of thing again. And, you I know, think that would be wisest. He got out of there alive, which, I'm sure she was planning to do anyway, but I'm glad I checked. <laughs> there are a few stories about how this goes, and it doesn't always end well. <laughs> anyway, hey, hey, Tristram, congratulations. You're our first winner. We're a step closer, to, and we're a step closer to that book of yours. Yes, I suppose so. We're uh, currently in second place. Ah, oh, and um. Are the, are the, um, are the, are the first world team in first? So the standings thus far are the first world are on four points. Yeah. Putting them in first. You are on three points, putting you in second. Yep. Uh, Pytax and Mivon are both tied on two. Fort Draylon has one, and Dagamark and Grolton have nothing. Yep. <laughs> Which in Grolton's case. <laughs> well, you have to come first, second, or third. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. So a bunch of people are going, no, I'm merely entertained because of Grolton's consistency in some ways. Uh, I hope they rethink de- declaring war on the first world. I think that's going to go about as well as their wars tend to. Uh, in all fairness, it's fairly unlikely the first world is going to be able to successfully engage them either. Even a shoot like the one of the problems is there's no real government there you yeah. can declare war on. Yeah. Uh, yes, and I would like to make a diplomacy check for congratulating Tristram because By he's awesome. <laughs> That is a 22, which may or may not be good enough. Which is good enough. A little bit rusty. And that would put me at 20 relationship points with Tristram. There we are. Would you like me to look up his doofy? Well, I figure you don't have to... um, 
do it now. We well, I will look it up and see what it is. And yeah, right, and you can determine its appropriate osity. Yes. Ooh, I think that one. Actually, probably is appropriate for this now. Oh, can it? It's been an enormously complex scene, so. Oh, yeah. Um, so you were sitting there. Yakking to him, the caster's yeah. ball sort of slowly packs up around you. I think I will have um, um, get, obtained my own bottle of nice elven wine. Yeah, like this run. runs all the way to midnight, so... Yeah, no, I will obtain my own bottle of elven wine that we can sit and drink. Because Kel won't blink it. Um, you know, has in fact spent the whole night imbibing in small glasses of wine without showing the least impediment. And... He says, yes, I was, I was rather surprised to win that, really. I mean, I suppose they shouldn't be. I've probably read more magical theorem than half of the people here put together. Well, excluding, excluding Wizard Velocity, perhaps. That Yemekis Struan seemed like he was really more all flash. I mean, who wants to use magic to get lightning bolts and fireballs and things? I mean, you can use it to read and learn volumes of forgotten languages and such like. <laughs> it was, um, it was a great show. I did like the dragon thing as well, and that, um, and, um, I thought the general's performance was very nice, although, um, I think she, um, she got, it, it all got a bit away from her somewhat. Illusion is very much a school of all or nothing in terms of success. Aye. It, it was, it, I'm, I, I was, I, I have to admit, I was expecting you to win after I saw that score. But I wasn't expecting you to come so far out in front of everyone else. It seems that most people either let themselves down in their subject matter or let themselves down in their showmanship. No one else was bringing the whole package except for Velocitor, who um, was definitely your closest contender. Well, wizards don't tend to be the most sociable people, as a rule. No. I, uh... And um, <laughs> the other bard didn't do himself any favours with uh, picking a target too big for him, but that's Grelton for you. I, I can understand that. I've oh, I've never quite had the I've never quite had the ability to sit down and study wizardry. I haven't had the opportunity to sit down and study wizardry as some have, but I can understand the temptation to bury yourself in a book until you can make the world make sense again. I. I was very impressed, though, by, by how much of that display you managed to follow. You picked up on the illusion, you resisted the symbol of laughter. You've, you've been reading some of those arcanic theorem books I've been reading, haven't you? You know, the, the bigger paragraphs. <laughs> I certainly, um, that, um, uh, troubling failure, that rather troubling Fey Lady, the Bang and... Mayoban Sith. The Mayoban Sith. I, I, I don't want to get caught by any of her kind. It sounds like Verona's got some nasty Fey types. Yes. It's not, not exactly a fighter... Not exactly your traditional warrior's strong suit resisting that kind of enchantment-style magic, but it's going to be kind of important. We've certainly faced off against some odd things in our time. I mean, the Hodag, a mythical beast, that owlbear... A Bayaban Sith, they're fairly rare on the ground. If we go up against Garona, we may see creatures in the Oak of Red Caps, and that sort of thing. Fascinating things. They kill travellers and dip their caps in their blood to give them power. Um, it's, it's quite remarkable. And then there's some of those odd things we've faced, like the undead creatures that we found in Mab's tomb. And blah, 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 blah. He rattles on endlessly about this. Um, 
and starts imparting to you, you know, you know if, if you choose to solve all your problems via application of sword to head, <laughs> you know, then you should, you know, I'm sure from your readings now you're aware of this, that, and the other thing, and he and you have a long yarn into the night about the sort of creatures you have faced and what reading up he's done on them and what reading up he's done on the creatures that you might face in the future and that sort of thing. And specifically how Kalen can apply this to the method by which he combats them. Sweet. Uh, and you gain Tristan's 20-point relationship power, which is called Everything Has a Weak Point. Ooh, that is definitely up Kalen's alley. Uh, and it is a fairly simple ability. It is creatures that are immune to crits are not immune to Kalen's crits. Ooh! So things like undead and constructs and that, you now understand enough of the theory behind how they are built and how they work that you can hit them in the most vulnerable bits of their non-vulnerable bits. Wow! That is your 20-point relationship bonus. That's fantastic. So that should be a relatively easy one to remember, being a, yeah. a relatively passive power. Yeah, it's, it certainly doesn't involve a lot of noting things down and keeping track of. I'll need to remember that I've got it is the only thing, but um, it's a very cool power. And fits well with the thing I'm trying to remember anyway in terms of remembering that I've got the um, D, I've got the reroll on if I hit with, if, it, if I hit and it's a one. Yep. Okay. And then everyone turns in for the night after the hard day of the first rush, day of the rushlight tournament. Yes. Two more days to go. Yes. But we are in second. Do you want to leave it there, I presume? I do want to leave it there. Okay. You are, Stagthorn is in second place. Who will win the rushlight tournament? Tomorrow, log chopping and the boulder challenge. Excellent. Dun, dun, dun. dun. dun.